And now, introducing a man who has Papa Cash shaking in her boots as she tries to get a grasp on this whole soundboard and producing thing. His bark is louder than his bite. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He's Paul Valley. Papa Cass is here as well for a Tuesday edition of the program. We'll take you right up to Simply the Bets, which we do every Tuesday at 11.40 a.m., brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. This morning we will um, put some focus on the NBA playoffs. We'll put some focus moving towards the NBA draft, which is the next big event coming up. That all on the way. You're going to be all right, Cass? This is why you made that face this morning that made me decide. You're going to be all right? You're going to be all right? Yeah, I'm going to be good. You sure? Yeah, it's been a morning, but it's okay. Okay. We're trusting you. We're counting on you. This is probably the biggest show we've ever done, as you can tell by the guest list of basically nothing. It should be filling in as the morning goes on. Yeah, you, you you don't seem good. You don't see. You want to talk about it or no? no? You don't want to talk about <laughs> it. You sure? <laughs> after the show. All right, after the show. Um. Uh, so yeah, we I look. We uh. We all we all enjoyed ourselves. We all had a great day yesterday at opening day. Well, I don't know what Cass was doing yesterday, but Paul and I were at opening day yesterday. Did you stay for the whole game? No, not a chance. Zero <laughs> chance. I was staying for the whole game. Come on, man. What <laughs> what inning did you leave it? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I mean, I stayed for a while. I don't. How would I remember these things? Like, it was just yesterday, and you're not uh, a drinker. Yeah, but it's not like that. It's not. I, at some point, my father and I looked at each other, and we said, "You good?" He said, "Yep." There's nobody that nobody that makes an early exit quite like my father. I gotta tell you, man. My father, I swear, will will be at my house with the kids, having a great time. I mean, like just having the time of his life. And an hour in, I'll just be like, ah, I think I'm good. <laughs> he just would rather be at his house. That's the way, that's the type of human he is. Uh, and God love him for that. But I was in the same mood. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to go. I had a great day. Stopped by, saw my uh, new colleagues from 105.7 and spent some time with them over at Pickles. And uh, thanks to them for having me and bumped into a bunch of listeners. And it's the, you know, it's the, it's the reason why we all love opening day. It's the festivities. It's the, um, sort of gathering of everybody back together you just bump into friends the whole time it's a wonderful thing but after a little while yesterday also we were sitting in the sun and it was this weird bit where it was like windy but then it was hot on your face because i didn't put on any sunscreen i didn't think about the fact that i was going to be going to the game and i was going to be sitting out in the sun it was a weird sort of phenomenon as the day went on where you were like feeling a chill like a legitimate chill and you're glad you had your jacket but your face made you feel like you were hot like really weird vibe down the we were sitting in the club level down the first baseline probably right for right behind first base essentially I did not get that experience. We were down the left field line in the first row right ah. next to the foul pole. Yeah, it goes the other way with the sun where and there's a giant warehouse there that yeah. kind of blocks you. I was um, I was wearing shorts ah. and a pullover, and I was It's a, it's I a was cardigan. It's I, a, thanks for asking. It's a cardigan. I was cold. I was not freezing. It was yeah, tolerable. It, but it I was cold. It wasn't freezing, but you felt like a legitimate chill. Like yes. Like a legitimate you know, I don't know how to describe it, and it was just a strange phenomenon if you were in the sun because you were getting a lot of things all happening all at once. It was like you were sweaty, but you definitely weren't hot. I don't know how to describe it. It was a strange phenomenon, but it was enough that after, I don't know, five, six innings, something like that, my father and I were like, eh, we can start making the walk. We can start. You knew the game was start. in hand. Oh, you think Michael Bauman was screwing things up? When, when's that ever happened? The guy throws heat. 
Um, yeah, the Orioles, who cares? They won the game. God bless. It's one out of a, 162. Um, anyway, the moral of the story being it was a lovely day. Lovely, lovely day. As far as news from opening day is concerned, obviously nothing on the baseball. It was nice to see Cedric Mullins you know, get a hit after a slow start to the season. He got a big hit. That was nice to see. Um, the news of the day was more related to the passage of HB 892. And I still don't know all the details. And i got to be honest with you, I have not been following this particular legislation. It wasn't as important to me as the NIL legislation was uh, a couple years back when that was the conversation. Um, this particular legislation, I just haven't, I don't even, I gotta be honest with you, it just was off my radar. So when we, I, when everybody got this statement from John Angelos yesterday, I legitimately thought like, oh, they picked today to announce a new lease. Tremendous choice. Great day for that. And then there was no new lease announcement within the, the statement. I said, ah, well, that's kind of a bummer. Like to think, they threw in a line at the end, like for the next 30 years, we're like, hey dude, you, you gonna be here for the next 30 years? So I, I get what he's sort of alluding to is the next lease, and my understanding is that this legislation was really all that was standing uh, in the way of getting the lease done, so the lease should be what's next, and hopefully we'll, we'll be announced before too long, and the Orioles have maintained the entire time. They're not going anywhere, and perhaps use the lease as leverage in order to make sure they got a boatload of public funding in order to upgrade the stadium. You might have opinions about that. I know when the Bills announced recently that, or when it was announced that the Bills were getting over a billion dollars in public funding from the state of New York, there was a lot of negativity that surrounded that. This isn't a new stadium for one team. This is a lot of money to upgrade two facilities in the surrounding area in the Camden Yards sports complex. And I have no doubt that there are people who say the world should not revolve around sports. Sports is not the moneymaker for the average person that you want to portray it as. So I will always be opposed to this much money in public funding being spent on sports teams. Let the owners themselves spend the money if they want to. This is, of course, a bit of a unique situation. The owner doesn't own the stadium. The, the state does. So the owner can't put all the money into the stadium. I don't think that we would want... I don't know what we would want. I have no idea, like, for the average person, what you would prefer. But it's happening now. Over a billion dollars in public funds. And this is where I have to apologize, because I don't know all of the details as to... I don't think this is direct tax money, necessarily. I was sort of diving into this a little bit yesterday. So i got to get more of the information. We've reached out to a few folks today that I would like to chat with about it. Haven't heard back. And I do know that a few of my... Um, political my friends that are in the legislature a couple of them are going to join us a little bit later on this week they were literally working in annapolis uh, because it was the final day of the session until well past midnight last night so we said we could wait till a little bit later on in the week in order to talk to them but i'd like to get a little bit more details about this from them so i could sound a bit more intelligent all we know at this point is that there's going to be over a billion dollars spent on upgrading the stadiums and the the sports complex there has been talk about those upgrades, including some sort of, like, village, maybe a retail area, something maybe not all that dissimilar to what you see, like, in Philadelphia, where they have um, a Cordish property, a, a live property, right in between all of the stadiums. I believe it's um, Philly Live or something like that. Uh, I know down in Arlington they have one called Texas Live. That's another Cordish property. There are things like that 
that exist. Of course, you know we're partners with Live Casino and Hotel, and that's a Cordish company uh, venture. The, the Live brand with the exclamation mark—that's a—it's Cordish Power Plant Live. You've seen these things all over the place. There has been talk about doing, and I'm not saying that the Cordish people will be the ones that will be doing the one in Baltimore. I'm just saying that exists in other places. You see that. If you've been up to Philly to go to a game at either of the stadiums or um, at the, the arena, then you'll see in between all three of them in the parking lot, there is this live concept that has bars and restaurants and... Um, I don't know if it's got a casino now or not because I haven't been up in the last couple of years, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's got a casino there. There has been talk that perhaps something like that could come to the Camden Yards complex. Your first response might be, where exactly? That's exactly what I was thinking. Ain't a lot of room, right? And the answer would be, well... You know, they'd have to figure that out and where they might shift parking if they use the parking space between the two stadiums in order to build this type of complex. I don't I don't have that. I don't know. This is, again, why we – I mean, I can tell you, we've reached out to the stadium authority. We're hoping that we're going to be able to connect with them. Uh, Michael Friends wasn't available this morning. I know he normally has uh, Tom Kelso do a lot of the media hits, so we'll see if maybe uh, Tom Kelso might be able to check in at some point. Um that would be part of the complex. It wouldn't be a direct upgrade to either stadium itself, but it would be part of the complex and upgrading the complex area to presumably provide more economic benefit to the entire of this, the entirety of the city, the entirety of the region, to make events in Baltimore more desirable to make it more likely to get major events at the stadium. You say we have a better stadium complex experience, and that becomes more desirable, say, for the World Cup committee as they're choosing which cities are going to host World Cup matches. And obviously Baltimore is very involved with that as we are on the cusp of Baltimore and D.C. combining their efforts in order to land the World Cup, and it looks like Baltimore would host the games, whereas D.C. would host some of the other side events because they have an abysmal stadium. Bless you, Dan Snyder. Bless you forever for helping us get World Cup matches to Baltimore if that proves to be the case. I've changed everything I've ever thought about you. You're a tremendous, just the best. You are a number one friend of the folks in Baltimore if your incompetence is what leads to us getting World Cup matches I thank you eternally simply the best ah simply the best yes very, very much like simply the best um so so there's been talk about that but there are also upgrades I think anybody who was at the game yesterday and depending on when you were where you were sitting would probably say the same thing boy the sound system at Camden Yards seems to have somehow gotten worse like it ain't getting better it appears to be getting worse if y'all could hear Adrian where you were sitting yesterday, then I guess you were a golden ticket winner. If you could hear, if you could actually hear what Rob was saying in the pregame festivities, I could sort of make out what he was saying every now and then. Oh God, there was some, there was such an electric moment yesterday. I hope you all were there to experience this. There was an electric moment yesterday where I realized no one had prepared for how many people they were introducing, and there wasn't enough room between first base and second base to get them all in there and lined up, and I realized before everybody else did that nobody had thought this through, and there was going to be panic in the disco because all of a sudden, the Brewers, who did not announce all of the assistant groundskeepers and the assistant you know, coffee makers and all of those people, their entire roster simply took up. There's 28 guys on a roster now, right? Their roster took up third base to second base. They were filled. They had filled the area, 
I was like, boy, the Orioles are introducing a lot more people than the Brewers. Where are they going to put all them? And everybody's sitting around me. He's like, ah, they'll figure it out. They'll double them up. I'm like, nope, nobody's thought about this. I'm telling you. <laughs> I have been involved with enough of these events to know that no one has thought about this. They just sort of said, line everybody up. We'll introduce them all. They'll get the wave. You know, you wave your little hat. What was the line from a... Um, Oh, God, from a league of their own. You come out, you wave your little hat. He's talking to Jimmy Duke. Yeah. You just come out, you wave your little hat, right? <laughs> they come out, wave your little hat, and everybody will cheer and we'll move on. Nobody thought through the fact that you couldn't fit everybody between. And so there was this poor girl, and I don't know who it was, and I'm so sorry if they're, if you're listening, who all of a sudden she was the only one that realized she's out there with them, and she's like trying to get them all to scoot down. Get in closer. Getting closer, they're making a weave. Oh, it was so electric watching it. I'm like, they, they can't. They don't know what's going on. Nobody knows. Nobody's in charge. Nobody's got it figured out. Oh, it was so fun. Why that don't they just moment. line them up down the first baseline like could every do, other team? You could do that too, couldn't you? Whatever. The moral of the story is, I, I, I'm not trying to knock them because every it, team does it the it other was, way. Everything was lovely. It was a lovely day, but oh, it was so electric where I was sitting <laughs> because I was the only one that knew. Nobody else. Everybody else was like. Eh, they got a plan. I'm like, no, they didn't. And it's, it's not anybody's fault. Just nobody thought about it. Nobody during the day was like, hey, do we have too many people to put them between first base and second base? Nobody had that thought. And it was so much fun. It was just such a joy for everybody in my section. They just stacked sitting there. people on people's shoulders. Yeah, at some that point, been why awesome. not, right? Like, hey, hey Paul, Paul Fry, why don't you climb up on, on Ben Boom's shoulders there, <laughs> guy? Oh, it would be a ten and a half if they had gone that route. But they didn't. It's a shame because that would have been fun. Moral of the story is you couldn't hear anything. It was the sound has has gotten worse, and which actually makes me quite concerned about because I didn't go to the Billy Joel show. Um, I was I was at the beach. Like we're gonna keep doing concerts. I don't know how I feel about that. Like I'm going. I spent a lot of money on Paul McCartney tickets, and when I say a lot of money, I mean a lot. Good thing your kids aren't going to college. Oh, no doubt. Thank God. They don't have to worry about it. They're not smart enough to end up in college, so we're fine. They want to be construction workers. That's a that's a solid that is a good you know what for those kids, that I would say it's about as good as they can do. That is about the tops that I can ask for them. Do you think for the Paul McCartney concert they're gonna have the closed captioning up on the video board again? That might be helpful. Might they did it for the announcements. Uh, but the sound system is not great. It's just not. It's not great. So I would say that's very much at the top of the list of things that I would say. If you're going to spend money, and the answer now is that you're spending money, uh, that would be something that I would be spending money on. That's what I want to know from you today. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. I want to know from you, what are you spending money on? Over a billion dollars is coming in. What would be your priorities after being back at the ballpark yesterday? Everything that you've experienced going to M&T Bank Stadium in recent years. What are your priorities for upgrading the stadium and the surrounding areas? What would be the things that you want to get to first? And I already lay out. I don't think there's a chance in hell the Ravens will put a roof on their stadium. I don't even know if it can be done. I've never even really asked about at this point, the way the stadium was built, what it would do. But I've said a billion times, there is no purpose to building stadiums without roofs in this country. It's nuts. It's insane that we continue to do that. I feel more strongly about it for a football stadium because you play games in January in Baltimore. Because everybody's like, where are all the people? You get to a December game. Why is nobody going to the game? I've got to guess because they don't want to die. 
Because standing outside in 18-degree weather is what kills people of a certain age. I understand the average person is probably going to be fine if they bundle up appropriately, but it's not good for someone of a certain age. And we all act like it's some scare. Oh, I, I see. I remember the year that everybody pretended like they were um, protesting against the NFL, and nobody was. But it got cold outside, and people stopped going to games. And was like, I told you we were protesting against the NFL. G- guy, I, we were there for the Steelers game. It was packed. You were all here a week after they took the knee. You protested the fact that it was cold outside, and I get it. Like, don't get me wrong, I would too. I also would protest the fact that it's cold outside. You know what I don't do a lot of when it's 10 degrees outside? Attend outdoor events. I don't go to Merryweather normally when it's 10 degrees outside. We don't throw a lot of street festivals when it's 10 degrees outside. I would think, as I said before, I feel the same way about baseballs. I can't believe they built a baseball stadium in Minnesota and didn't put a roof on it. I can't believe they did that. But that's their call. I can't change anything about it. I am not, I don't feel as strongly about the baseball stadium needing to have a roof on it. And by the way, it, it's just impossible. Camden Yards couldn't have a roof. You couldn't, there's no way that you could have put a roof over it. You could put it over the entirety of the warehouse. You're going to build like a, a geodome in order to, to, to create all of it. We're going to make it like a Pauly Shore movie. You can put it all inside Biodome. Is that the way we're going to do it? Can't be done for the baseball stadium. For the football stadium, it perhaps could be done and it would be a priority for me. As I've said a billion times, there is no reason to have a major American professional sports stadium at this point without a dome. But I feel far stronger about it for football than I do for baseball because of the, t- the months in which they play the games. They were playing baseball in January. I feel pretty strongly about it, too. But they play football in January, and it's a miserable experience so is the stadium even structurally sound enough that's what i said i don't know i don't i haven't done any work on this i can't say that but i would be digging into it if i had 1.2 billion dollars in funding to be spending i'd be digging into it um i don't know that it would change the reality of the events that you could host i don't think that baltimore would suddenly be in play for the final four or something like that although hell you know, Indianapolis and Detroit have hosted Final Fours. I'm not really sure why it is that Baltimore, and they've also hosted Super Bowls. Um, I'm not really sure why Baltimore would be all that far behind. I know that the hotel rooms is the bigger issue for hosting a Super Bowl. The city does not have enough hotel rooms to qualify for hosting a Super Bowl. But it would still be a priority for me to at least explore now that there's a billion dollars worth of public funding coming in for the stadiums. That's what I want to know from you today. Over a billion dollars. Paul from Ovilando says basically the same thing. I don't know how feasible it is architecturally, but if possible for MT Bank Stadium, I'd like to try to put a canopy or roof that hangs over or covers the seating bowl like you see in the top soccer stadiums around Europe and the UK. You can make it to where the sun still comes through enough. So he's not talking about making it an indoor stadium. He's not talking about a roof. He's talking about something that sort of blocks out the worst of the weather, and we do see that. I think the Seattle Stadium um, has a similar concept. It's an outdoor stadium, but they do that, I I think if I remember correctly, uniquely. They built it on the side where they protect their own sideline but leave the opposing (laughs) sideline out in the elements, which is, you know, cheeky and clever. I I, I would almost say if you're doing that, why not put a roof on it and try to – this is – you can get other events when you have a roof on your stadium. You can host – 
convention-related events. You can host certain things that you can't host when stadiums don't have a roof. Those are options when you put a roof on the stadium, so I would do that. Um, from Thomas, have all the seats at Oriole Park face the infield. You need to strain your neck to the left or right from some of the outfield seats in order to see the pitch. I've, we've talked about this, you know, going down the lines. I've felt that way for a long time. Um, I don't disagree with you, Thomas, at all. I don't disagree whatsoever that, that, that sort of adjusting some of the seats down the lines in order to um, make them better, be better fits for watching the game itself, that is absolutely something that I would choose to do. From Dave. Dave says, Glenn, I'm glad you brought up the sound. The sound yesterday was awful. I feel like it was somehow even worse than the last time I was there. I figured it had to be a mixing issue. That is absolutely something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, Dave, I, you know, I'm not trying to pile on anybody because I don't know. It's been a problem for a long time that depending on where you're sitting, you just don't hear the sounds the way that you want to hear the sounds. You're kind of aware of them. You know they're happening, but they're not great. So, yes, that would be high on my list as well. Continue to get me your responses. Over a billion dollars in public funding coming to the two downtown stadiums. What is it that you want to see upgraded? We will continue to chat about that as the morning goes on. Today's show is also brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. That's where we're going to be for the first round of the NFL Draft on April 28th. You can join us. We'll have great giveaways, betting advice, all of that. And if you want to guarantee your spot, you should email events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com to guarantee your spot for April 28th to hang out with us in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Let's talk a little bit more about the Orioles after opening day. Our next guest, one of our favorites, an Orioles Hall of Famer. He is now part of the Baltimore Baseball Tonight crew on 105.7 The Fan. I actually saw him. I didn't get a chance to say hello because it was insanity over at Pickles yesterday, but I, I did see him wander in yesterday afternoon as I was hanging out with that gang. He is our friend, Mr. Mike Bordick, and he's with us now here on GCR. Mike, it's Glenn and Paul. It's always great to catch up with you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was crazy oh down my God. there yesterday, wasn't it? My, I mean, Pickles Pub was hopping. I, so this is... Uh, I'm starting my show on the fan in two weeks, so I was like, I'm going to go over and be a good teammate, right? And I'm going to say hello to everybody. And I had to, like, bribe two security guards just to get into the area. <laughs> it was insanity. Yeah. Chuck, uh, Chuck yeah. who I love, Chuck walks over. He's like, hey, man, here's a wristband. Uh, get some food, get some drinks. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to get to a bar. <laughs> like, All right. Yeah, no kidding. Bedlam. No, man. it was good to see. It was good to see the crowd out there, the fans supporting the home team, and uh, even better that the Orioles were able to give them a win. Yeah, it was a fun day. It was obvious. It was a very fun day, and uh, the the sort of irony of it being a two nothing game thirty years after the first game ever at Camden Yards. Everything about it was right. really neat. Hey, Mike, let, you know, let's talk about what it is that you're watching for early on in the season, right? Like, Adley's not here yet. Grayson Rodriguez is not here yet. D.L. Hall's not here yet. I think whenever they get here, those are going to be the big storylines for this team this season. But until that point, what to you are the most interesting, most important storylines for the, you know, besides them wanting to win games for the players that are actually now on this roster? 
Well, you always hope for really good pitching, right? Uh, and it's, I think we're all kind of hoping for that young crop of players to come up. But I, I think what we should expect from this group of players is good, clean baseball. Now, listen, if the talent isn't there enough to compete, you know, with, with some of the teams in the American League East, at least they should be able to know where the, where to throw the baseball, uh, understand situations better, not let the ball roll into the infield from the outfield, mm. hit the cutoff man, mm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that will help them uh, win a few more ball games, but it will also set a precedent when the younger guys come up. This is how it's supposed to be in the big leagues. I'm, I, I am, and I'm sure a lot of other baseball fans are sick of the, just the, the sloppiness in baseball in general. I don't know how many times you see a baseball just rolling around the infield. Nobody knows what to do with it, uh, when to pick it up, where to throw it when they even get it. So uh, my hope is that Brandon Hyde and his coaching staff just continually pound in these fundamentals, uh, situation baseball, and just play the game right, and better things are going to happen. Do you sense, you know, early on in the season, did you worry at all about Cedric Mullins pressing a little bit, just coming off the season that he had a year ago, trying to prove, hey, that wasn't a fluke, this is who I am, and I I know it was really nice to see him come through with a huge hit yesterday, but that first weekend, did you worry at all about maybe somebody putting too much on their shoulders because they're trying to prove that they are legitimately a star and that this wasn't maybe a one-season fluky type of thing? Absolutely. That's part of the battle being in the big leagues. You know, you have have some success, and then you, just human nature, put undue pressure on yourself. And a lot of times it comes from, obviously, outside sources, whether it be the media or, or uh, coaches or other players, you know, kind of pumping you up a little bit. And then all of a sudden you feel that pressure, like you've got to reproduce what you did. I mean, my gosh, Cedric Mullins, the only player in Oriole history to right. do what he did last year. I mean, it, 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 he, he's probably not going to do it again. It would be great if he could. It would be incredible. But, you know, I think he's put, he early on, even in spring training, just put a little bit of undue pressure on himself. And it's hard to play that way. Last year, he was so relaxed, so mentally just in tune with his own game that it just kind of naturally and instinctively happened for him. And he will come back to that. I think his experiences last year um, and knowing how to control himself mentally, he'll come back. I think that huge hit in front of his home crowd yesterday probably helped him uh, immensely just relax a little bit more at the plate and realize, hey, I'm just going to keep playing my game. I'm going to be the same type of player I was last year. And at the end of the year, the numbers will be where they're supposed to be. He is Mike Bordick. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio after the Orioles won an opening day yesterday. Mike, I feel like to me the most interesting storyline right now is trying to figure out if there's another, you know, much like Cedric Mullins a year ago, which players maybe aren't we thinking about as centerpieces for the future that could end up establishing themselves as centerpieces for the years to come? And the guy that is honestly the most intriguing to me is Jorge Mateo, who I know has struck out a little bit to start the season, but, man, you see so many things that he does. Obviously, his speed is insane. Um, I, I don't know. He's a really intriguing player to me. 
What are you seeing in Jorge Mateo, and do you feel like he's the type that could sort of play his way into being part of the conversation or part of the solution for the Orioles as they move towards this rebuild coming to fruition? Well, his athleticism stands out. It's amazing uh, how athletic this kid is. No doubt. And I'm glad they're giving him a great opportunity at shortstop. You know, I think this is the time to really – you know, expose him there, uh, whether good or bad. I, you know, he's had a he had one miscue there in Tampa, I think. You know, but he's got all the tools to play that position. He's got the great range. You could really put him anywhere on the baseball field, and I think he'll be he'll be successful. But they're looking for the blue chip shortstop, somebody that's going to find that consistency uh, at that position, and somebody they can really anchor in there. Now, there's a whole slew of shortstops in the minor leagues that yep. you know will one day be up at Camden Yards but I think ultimately if they can get somebody as that because Mateo's got to be as athletic or more so than any one of those guys just the way he moves um, his arm strength um, his versatility as well but they would love to pencil him in there and let him be a foundation piece up the middle um, when Adley Rushman gets here you know, they've got to create that backbone. Mm-hmm. That's been obviously behind the plate. Got to have a strong center fielder, which they have in Mullins, and they're going to need a shortstop and second baseman. And then, uh, you know, you build around that. So Mateo could be that guy. I think you're exactly right. He is a, a super intriguing piece. Can he, uh, you know, I, I think all young shortstops, Richie Martin obviously comes to mind, just the, the ability to have a consistent internal clock, the, the ability to balance out, that speed of the ball, speed of the runner, know what you can and can't do, uh, you know, the ability to tighten up your pursuit angles on baseballs. Those are the type of things that Mateo's got to kind of clean up a little bit. Um, same holds true with a guy like Richie Martin, who I put right in the same athletic ability class. I, I think Mateo uh, shows a little bit more um, as far as his defensive skill, and I think that's why he's the one – getting a nod at shortstop right now but you know Austin Hayes is is another player that you know he's got an opportunity here to kind of step up and do kind of what Cedric Mullins did last year uh, and of course his uh, whole key is is the ability to stay healthy out there he's got a big left field now to roam around in Whew. he's going to be able to kind of show off his athleticism and the hope is it, it kind of stunk for him yesterday he hit a couple bullets that got taken away from him you hope that doesn't kind of wear on him a little bit mentally, but he's got just as much skill as, as Cedric Mullins, so who's to say he couldn't put up those same kind of numbers? It seems like everybody was barreling the ball, but it was just getting there. Trey obviously was barreling the ball yesterday and had nothing yeah. to show for it. Um, uh, right. Bordy, with that in mind, you know, is there a pitcher that fits this group to you? And, and I bring up it up because Zimmerman, of course, only went the four innings and you know, looked pretty good over the course of the four innings, put five guys on base, but found his way out of it without giving up a run. Is there a pitcher outside of John Means, of course, who we, we all we think we know everything there is to know about John Means, that you also look at and say, I still think this guy could be part of the long-term equation for the Orioles, and I'm paying a little more attention to what he's doing early on in this season. Well, I, I think Zimmerman is one of those guys, obviously. The way he threw his change up, his confidence in that pitch uh, yesterday was, you know, much like John Means. And I think uh, that that's a plus-plus pitch for him, staying aggressive in the strike zone. I think a lot of the young arms, Keegan Aiken, 
you know, it could be somebody that could potentially step in there as well, get some spot starts. I like him coming out of the bullpen right now, and I think a lot of these younger arms probably should be in the bullpen. I, I think it takes a little pressure off them. I think it's it's a great idea to potentially piggyback some of these starters. But Tyler Wells is the guy that that is, you know, he – he did a super job last year, I think, for the Orioles, you know, out of the bullpen late in the game. He, he built up his confidence there. And now, you know, just his size. And, of course, at one time he, he was a starter anyway. So to get him back um, with some of the weapons that he has and kind of build into a, a, a consistent starting arm, I think he is really attractive piece that could find himself – been a mainstay in the rotation for a number of years. I think the two names as far as pitchers, and again, they're both in the bullpen, so I don't, I don't know, you know, exactly what they could do. But boy, Bauman was throwing gas yesterday. I mean, just yeah, even yeah. the ball, right? And then, but, oh, Batista's a little intriguing to me too, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to oversell these things, boy. I hope you understand. I'm not trying to portray that these guys are suddenly going to be Grayson Rodriguez or DL Hall or something like that, but. Enough to, I think, be paying attention to the two of them and what it is they're doing early on in the season. No, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, when guys, young guys get a little bit of confidence, you never know where it can take them. My, my biggest fear is when young guys lose their confidence and trying to get it back at the major league level. That's a big-time concern. But when guys are feeling good, when they have success, they, there's huge carryover there. They believe they could do it. And... Uh, you know, they'll go out and typically have have strong years. It was great that Bauman stepped up. I, he got the win yesterday, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, Batista's throwing 100 miles an hour. So if he can harness that and stay in the strike zone, he'll he'll have success. But, yeah, there are a lot of great arms in, in the Oriole bullpen. There are arms that could be slotted in for long relief as well. So, yeah, there's, hey, there's a lot to be, I think, excited about, especially some of the uh, up-and-coming young players in the minor leagues, the fact that the Orioles have the number one minor league system, you know, in all of baseball uh, says a lot. It says a lot about what Mike Elias has done, uh, going out, really uh, getting into the international market as well. Um, So I think there are a lot of weapons there. Now what he ultimately does with all these pieces is kind of going to be the question mark. Is he going to all of a sudden – kind of work out Tampa Bay does with the low payroll and just kind of keep mixing in, uh, try to work, you know, the free agent market, try to trade guys when their value's high to get back to certain pieces, you know, kind of follow the Tampa protocol. Or is he going to say, hey, let's do what, what Toronto has done and, and get these young guys up, and let then, those guys be our foundation, and they yep. go out and land some monster free agents yep. and try to compete the East. God, they're so exciting to watch, man. My God. I, you know, we're not going to root for them because they're going to be coming to town, but it's hard to ignore how exciting of a team Toronto is. I, I, I feel like they're going to be a team that could get someone who's more casual interested in baseball when they're on national TV this season. No, absolutely. I mean, they have, uh, you know, the right kind of superstars with that kind yep. of swag. Obviously, Guerrero with the pedigree, all those guys. They, they all have fathers that played, and we're all great. Vigio, uh, Oh, they're, you know, all of them. So, yeah, they are a fun, young, exciting team to watch. And the fact that they had success last year uh, bodes well for them to continue that success into this year. They landed a couple strong arms uh, to help their rotation. 
Um, so I think the bullpen's obviously, with everybody, a, a, a question mark. Can they uh, stay consistent? And do they have enough depth if a guy or two goes down? Um, I think a lot of teams get tested in that regard as sure, well. Sure, sure. Hey, Mike, the, uh, the, the topic du jour, du jour for us today, uh, there's going to be a billion-plus dollars spent on upgrading the stadiums downtown. You spent a lot of time at Camden Yards in your life. You have spent many a night at the ballpark. If you had one priority for upgrading a beautiful, what is still a model stadium within the sport of baseball, if you had one priority, they came to you and said, Mike Bordick, you get to choose any one thing we do to upgrade the stadium, what would be on your list? Man, I don't. I, there isn't much I change other than maybe put a a retractable roof that goes on the top of of the warehouse. It'd be really difficult to do. It would be so <laughs> difficult to do. We were joking yeah. about like a biodome, putting the entire facility. Right? That's the problem because like for the football stadium, I'm in, I'm in complete agreement. I just think it's impossible for the baseball stadium. I don't think you can can keep everything that we love about the facility. And also put a roof over it. But I'm in agreement in general about the roof thing, man. Like, you know, it's. I feel like anymore you build a stadium, there's no reason not to have the option to have a roof on it. It's... Yeah. You know what I'd love to see, though, is, is uh, not the, I don't think they really have to do a lot to either one of those stadiums. I, I think they, they both offer so much, and I think they're both. The surroundings could be you know, impacted incredibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could make it more fan-friendly so people could walk around. They could put restaurants in. Yep. They could make it more like a Wrigleyville type of, of atmosphere. And uh, I think, and I hope that's kind of what their their goal is, I their might. aim and goal, because... Yeah, they could really fix it up and make it make it beautiful. That's been a popular opinion, and I think that is definitely part of the plans. All right, Mike, uh, can I plug Baseball Warehouse? Anything you got going on for you? Oh, please, plug Baseball Warehouse. That's, uh, you know, going strong, and, and it's exciting to see so many young kids starting the season. I threw out some first pitches for uh, Sykesville, uh, their baseball program, and Pikesville, their baseball program as well over the weekend. It was a little chilly but it was great to see the enthusiasm from all the kids and all the parents. Um, I, I really love that. I love what they're doing to inspire our youth to, to play the great game of baseball. Uh, and the baseball warehouse was a part of that. So that was fun to be be there. And uh, also the League of Dreams, obviously yep. giving special yep. needs kids those great opportunities to play baseball and softball. We're always getting bigger and better and stronger there, helping more kids uh, in our area. And we – we just hope to have more of an outreach. So so thanks for letting me mention those, and always a pleasure to be on your show. Appreciate you, my friend. At M. Bordick on Twitter, and, of course, Baltimore Baseball tonight on The Fan. Mike Bordick, thank you for taking the time this morning. We'll chat with you again real soon, all right? It's, it's Mike Bordick. We're checking in with him here on GCR. It's all right. Ka- Castle's a little quick on the trigger. It's okay. It's okay. It's Mike. He, he loves us. We're okay. We're all right, I promise. I love Mike. He's a good guy. You're fine. It's all right. It's all right. Oh, poor Cass. I I don't want to have you check out on us. You're okay. You're okay. It's going to be all right. 
Anyway, thank you to Mike Bordick. Uh, always appreciate the time that he takes for us. And, yes, that's been a popular response uh, this morning. And my question about how you would prioritize that money, John and Little Rock, definitely a game day village. And I would incorporate and partner with Pickles Pub and have other setups that fans can watch the games. A team store that is open regularly and not just on game days. Work with the city and the state to get better light rail and other transportation. That's you know, those that's probably going to separate from this money itself. But that, in general, of course, always would prefer upgraded public transportation. I have plenty of opinions about that, but that's for a different uh, conversation or a different show. I've talked about this uniquely with the Ravens. The Ravens have zero touch outside of game day. The Orioles at least have Utah Street open, right? Like, the Ravens have no touch outside of game day. And there's only eight of them, I guess 10, including the, the preseason games. There's an entire year's worth of no touch whatsoever with that facility. What could they really do, though? When, when you look at the stadium and the way that it's laid out, there's really nothing. There's absolutely a way for you to open up to, in that front area behind the statues, reconfigure that to have a team store, a sports book, a bar and grill, something along those lines in that immediate area that could be constantly open, mm. that if Ravens fans are in town, if somebody's in town for business and is like, I like the Ravens, I want to go over and see, that you come see the statues, you can come see, you know, buy something at the team store. There's absolutely a way as they upgrade the stadium to give yourself more of a touch throughout the course of the year. And I think both teams should prioritize that. That there's, where else? Where else do you live within, for an actual physical touch? within this community, outside of game days. Now, there's a bunch of game days for the Orioles. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot of options there. There's not many for the Ravens, and there's nothing during the week. I 1,000% believe that that should be a priority with money that's spent. I've said this on this show a number of times, um, and just in general, do you think it's possible that they can make an open concourse at both stadiums? So that yeah, you can it's, see the it's field. tough. It's really tough to do that. It's... I, I have a lot of people brought that up, and the indoor stadiums do fairly well with that. I know the DC baseball stadium has sort of prioritized that. Mm -hmm. And one, you know, there's almost no way at the baseball stadium because you'd, you'd have to be changing the entirety of the structure yeah. in order to do that. I just don't think it's it's even plausible. I would have to really think about the various different areas within the football stadium. I do think there are places within the football stadium where it could be done, mm -hmm. um, and I and I like the concept. It's something that, in fact, John Colson and I were talking about it yesterday. I like the concept. I like the idea of you want to get up and get a beer and you want to be able to stay within the game. You don't want to have to sort of leave the game in order to get up and get your beer. I, I do like that idea. And it's something that I, when I lived in Arizona, they had that at the baseball stadium. A lot of the indoor stadiums have that open concourse concept. I just don't think it's possible with the baseball stadium. I, I mean, I just think you'd have to be changing your entire structure in order to do that. They basically probably have to just rebuild the stadium. Yeah, and I and so I just don't think it's plausible in order yeah. to make that happen. Um, Which probably take half the money that, they, that they're getting. Correct, correct. Now, could they create new, you know, like, could they create more concession areas that have more of a view? I'd have to do some of this math, right? Like, if they took out... Nah, I don't know. I have to think through that a little bit better. Is there a way to like create more of an area, that right field corner, 
that's more open somehow. I don't know. I you know these are the things I'd have to think about. I'm just not an, maybe Janet could help. We could bring her back on to explain it to us. I would have liked to have seen them do something more interactive with that left field wall. Like I was hoping they'd put like some kind of video board on there or mm. something, but it's mm. just this big yeah, green with a blob. couple of, and with a couple of weird ads. There's one for like a Lake Erie something. I'm like, what is that? Right. All right, uh, Patrick Stevens is going to join us next. We'll have our weekly college sports conversation. Uh, and I'll get more, more of your suggestions. Oh, boy, what is that? More of your suggestions for how it is that you would like to see the, uh, the public funding spent. Yes, we do need to make sure that that works. Let's go ahead. That doesn't sound great. Did a button get pressed that wasn't supposed to be pressed? Did uh, something along those lines? Because we do need to take a break today. Not that I saw. Um, um, that's a real problem. Play with that uh, cord right there and see if maybe we didn't uh, knock into something. Maybe turn the volume down. This is this is definitely good to be doing on the air. This is this is how we do things. <sighs> see, I think see? that may have solved the problem. Are we are we good? Yeah, I think right, I think we're very good. All right, we'll grab a break. Patrick Stevens joins us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have your 
Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Glory Days Grill spring seasonal menu is available. The opener is the flash fried pork belly with the popular Korean number two sauce. There's the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. The baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, the grilled shrimp and garlic butter, the strawberry salmon salad, and so much more. Get to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill or go to glorydaysgrill.com in order to get your order in. Every Tuesday, we talk some college sports. Joining us now, he, of course, is the man that you follow on Twitter, at Discourse D1S Course. You read him in USA Lacrosse Magazine, Washington Post. He's our friend, Mr. Patrick Stevens, and he's with us now here on GCR. Patrick, good morning, sir. How are you? I am well, Glenn, and you? Everything is all right. Um, I don't know what... What context do we give? Maryland faces another top-five opponent this weekend, and... And boat races them again. Uh, they don't award a national championship at this point, so there is still work to be done. But it, 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 have they put complete distance on the entire field at this point now? It, it, it sure feels like it. I, I mean, the, the victory over Princeton, which was a five-goal victory that if you looked at the rest of the box score, you would have thought it would have been closer to eight or nine. Uh, the route of Virginia and now popping five goals in the first five minutes on Rutgers and, and not even – not even letting that be the possibility of a, of a loss being a thing there. Uh, I, I think some of that, and it was funny, I talked to John Tillman at length last week, and one of the things he kind of indicated is that he wasn't thrilled with kind of the way that Maryland approached the previous week against Michigan. He felt like the guys were out there maybe just not as dialed in as they needed to be. And, 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 and frankly, you know, in a game like that where you kind of know you can roll the ball out and win, there's sort of some understanding that that, that, that can happen. Um, but the thing is, is that when Maryland gets told that that's, that standard isn't good enough, and remember, they beat Michigan by eight goals. It was a 20-12 game. Uh, you know, you kind of got the sense that, that when I was talking to them, I got the sense of, man, this might not be a good time for Rutgers to catch these guys. Uh, and sure enough, that that's kind of how things unfold. So, you know, I think uh, I think with Maryland at this point, I, I'm sure they can get better, but uh, they certainly it certainly looks like they're well ahead of the pack at this point. I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated because there were times last year where you thought they were going to go undefeated. Yep. But it's going to take a I, I think it's going to take a pretty gargantuan effort for somebody to to knock this team. Off. Let me let me pose it this way: Which teams nationally are the biggest threats that? you know, could sort of get things going, have a Virginia-type run. And, and, you know, of course, probably Virginia is on this list. Who, who are the teams that, for sheer talent, maybe we're starting to see a trend with them, that you say when we get to May, these guys, these are the teams that have established themselves as being the teams that are most likely to be a threat? Yeah, I think it's Virginia, Georgetown. Um, I, I think it, it's important to point out that, that even though Maryland doesn't have a player as good as Jared Bernhardt was, Right. Okay. They their number one isn't quite as good, but he's still good. Um, the big difference between this team and last year's team is that this team has a faceoff guy that's going crazy. Uh, and Luke Weirman had another great game the other night. He's twenty one of twenty eight, and they didn't win faceoffs like this last mm-hmm. year. And so 
the amount of pressure that that offense gets to put to you know put to bring to bear on people is is considerable. I mean, that's the big difference between this team and last team, last year's team. And frankly, the improved faceoff probably outweighs by a, by a healthy sum actually uh, the loss of Jared Bernhardt. Wow. Uh, so you know, Virginia, Georgetown. I think there's a couple teams in the Ivy League, Princeton and Yale, that are probably on that list. But I don't know if the list goes a whole lot deeper. Uh, It's not a particularly long list. And whoever it is, I I feel like that if if Maryland is going to get got, it's going to be on a day where somebody does essentially what they did to so many people in the NCAA tournament over the years when they've had that 45 to 55% face-off play where it's like, let's just get a split, Mm -hmm. let's try to even it up, and take our chances from there. Uh, and so I think all, you know, you think about LaSalle at Virginia, I think he'll probably be better given a second crack uh, at Maryland. Uh, I think when you look at, uh, you know, G- Georgetown and, and James Riley, that's another guy that, that has a shot to do that. You know, I, I'm curious to see if teams start getting a second shot at Maryland, if they're better or not. I don't know whether they will be but I do kind of wonder, particularly on that face-off element, as good as Weirman's been, and there is sure. no doubt that he has been fabulous, you know, you, you see that a lot with face-off guys where the second time around maybe they're a little more vulnerable. Now maybe, the, you know, you talk about high-end guys like a T.D. Erlin or somebody like that or a Trevor Baptiste, maybe that doesn't necessarily happen. Yep. So I, I might just kind of be fishing here for a reason. To be no, or, or you go with a strategy to, to like junk it up, you know, that you, that you know. You say, hey, look, maybe we didn't respect this person enough the first time. Let We need to come in with a strategy to junk it up, to your point, to just win enough of the face-offs as the game but, goes but, on. But, but even then, you know, like it, it's, a, it's an offense that can hurt you in so many different ways. It was funny uh, talking to Brian Brecht after the game. You know, I said to him, I, I, I said to basically, he's like, you know, you guys need to talk to me. And I'm like, yeah, because I was afraid of that. You know, <laughs> it, it was, and he was very complimentary. He basically said, they're even better than I thought they were. And I thought they were really good to start with. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, they're impressing a lot of people at this point. And, and the fact is, is that on offense in particular, they can just hurt you in so many ways. I think they had 10 different guys score the other night. Which is which That's is unreal. the ridiculous That's, thing to do against unreal. an opponent that I think most people would agree is on its way to the NCAA tournament. Right, right. One of the best teams in the country, and <laughs> you just sort of did what you wanted to do at will. Um, it was quite the statement. Uh, on on the local front, is there anyone that's still or anything that's still interesting? As the next couple of weeks go by, I, I guess there's still a shot that Loyola could figure things out. It, it, you know, they did have a really nice performance, obviously, against Navy on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I got to see that game, too. I, I picked two, two real dandies this week <laughs> uh, to, to watch. Um, that one was 9-1 at the end of the first quarter, and Loyola rolled 18-7. to uh, You know, they've been 5-5 five and five before, right? Um, and that's where they find themselves right now. Uh, they, they still have... Boston U, Georgetown, Colgate, and Lehigh. So there's a few interesting opportunities in there for the Greyhounds. And they, you know, they, they didn't really need to have a great defensive performance or great goalie play the other night just because they just took it to Navy. And Navy found itself really, really limited on a lot of fronts just by the way that Loyola was playing. And so you look at the rest of the Patriot League, I think this week's going to be a good barometer for the Greyhounds just because... You know, Boston U's five and zero. They're coming off a couple losses to Ivy League teams. You know, if Loyola is going to have a shot at getting 
uh, to host the Patriot League tournament. And it's still kind of a long shot at this point because there's a, a, a scrum up there at the top and they've already lost to Army. But you pretty much have to win this game. So I, I think Loyola is certainly in the mix and, and the Patriot League, all four of those teams I just mentioned, all certainly have a shot at, at winning things. Towson finds itself atop the CAA, which is an interesting development for a team that I think was 3-6 and six a couple weeks ago and is now knocked off Drexel and UMass. And uh, I, I think they find themselves at, the, at minimum in decent shape to make the conference tournament. Uh, and so you see them win those two games against two teams I think everybody thought were going to finish in the top half of the league. Yep. Uh, and you suddenly feel a little bit better about their chances of being able to do something. And then, you know, let's talk about just kind of a weird uh, turnabout. UMBC, I think, was lost 12-3 to Vermont and then turns around and, and, and beats the absolute what, stuffing what, out of Albany. What has happened a couple to days Al- after Albany beat Syracuse. Can, can I say that, like, where is Albany? This is a program, and this is, you know, a, 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 apologies for not paying as close of attention to Albany in recent years, but this was a dominant program for a while. What is Albany today? Well, you know, they obviously, you know, they lose T.D. Erlin. Um, after the transfer, after making that Final Four in 18. And they were kind of young. And I remember Scotty Marr telling me last year, you know, they felt like they were on the right track in 2020 before the pandemic hit. They were 2-3, and three, but they had a one-goal loss to Maryland. Uh, you know, the other two losses they had weren't exactly, uh, they weren't close, but they weren't to bad teams. And so they felt like going into last year uh, that, they had, they, that they were on the right track. And sure enough, they went 8-5. and five. Uh, I don't think they're back at the level that you know you you've associated with Albany over the last decade or so. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not sure there's anybody in that league that's particularly overwhelming. I think Vermont might be the best team of the bunch, and they're they're three and zero in the America East right now. But uh, I, I do think it's fair to wonder, you know, at least in the case of of this particular setup. Where uh, you looked at you looked at them getting that shot at Syracuse. I'm sure it was really emotional. Now you got to turn around two days later and go down and play UMBC. Right. Uh, I, I'm sure there was a little bit of reloading the musket there. That just uh, was a little bit of a, uh, a scheduling error in some ways. But they got to play a home game against Syracuse and win in front of a bunch of that's, people. That's a, uh, that's a I big believe thing. it was a rainy night too. But they, I think they had a pretty decent crowd up there. So that's a. Uh, that that was a big moment for Albany, and I'm sure that they would trade a loss to UNBC sure, for sure. a victory at home over Syracuse anytime. He is Patrick Stevens. He joins us every Tuesday here on GCR. Patrick, I know since the last time we chatted, uh, you and, and some others were able to get uh, your information about Kevin Willard's contract with the University of Maryland. What stood out most to you that we learned about their commitment to their new basketball coach? Well, I think the biggest thing there is that uh, you're looking at a, another massive buyout for, for a Maryland coach, which, you know, some of that is simply the cost of doing business. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, this is clearly not something that you're going to see. Uh, you're not going to see a change anytime soon, that's for sure. Uh, when you kind of size that up, like it's a ninety percent of the money that is uh, that is due to him um, is 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 what his buyout is. So for a deal that is going to be paying him four and a half million dollars in his last year, that that buyout isn't going to get under ten million dollars until the last two years of the deal. So they are very much committed to this. Another thing that's interesting is it was at least to me anyway was not not just the one point two million dollars for his three assistants. 
but that there were actually specified eight staff positions, support staff positions in the basketball office, some of which have exist have been there anyway, sort of just kind of spelling it out altogether for them. But to actually spell it out and, 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 and make that commitment is, is pretty interesting to me. So at the end of the day, that 90% buyout is, is definitely something that stands out. Anything that's fun about the contract? Like anything that you're like, well, this is really weird, that like he gets travel for a certain thing or something along those lines? Uh, I would say one little detail that was kind of interesting was, uh, I think it was for the NCAA tournament and definitely for like a Thanksgiving tournament that his family is guaranteed a spot on the charter. All right, well, that's, um, you know. So that's, that's yeah. a nice thing to say. And I, you, you, right. you, would hope, you would hope that that sort of thing would be taken care of. I, I don't think there would be anybody that could, should be complaining. I think that would be the, the, the nice thing to do for a family to allow the coach to bring his family on a trip over a holiday i don't think anybody's going to scream too much about the idea of money being well you were you were asking for something no i know no 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 no, no. i promise you i'm not blaming you i'm hoping that nobody else would say oh we spend that's how we're spending money in the state like come on man (laughs) like i don't well here's the thing like it doesn't cost a whole lot extra to add an extra person to a charge you're already paying right right right. i mean I, I don't know if it adds anything. I think you you pay for the plane, right? Correct. And maybe somebody else can't make the trip that would have made the trip otherwise. You're just switching out who it is that makes the trip. It seems like a simple thing. I completely agree. All right, anything else um, that we should cover this week, either on the basketball or on the lacrosse front? I think we're good to go right now. Then let's play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for? As I mentioned last week, I have bailed on all of the rest of the five-team guys because it is we are dragging the bottom of the barrel. So four-team guys. I'll begin with a two-time All-Star, a man who finished in the top ten of MVP voting three times, won one gold glove, and a silver slugger. Four teams for Mr. Sean Green. Sean Green. Okay. Well, certainly Toronto. Of course. And the Dodgers. Yep. And the Mets. Yes. And the stop was between the Dodgers and the Mets. Really? Yes. Two seasons. He was uh, there for all of 05 and then was traded to the Mets uh, at the midway point of the 06 season. I'm trying to remember where Sean Green was in the in the middle there. That's, I uh, I actually did remember this, but there's a unique reason why I would have remembered this. So this is I, I wouldn't have expected you necessarily. Was was he in the desert for a year? He was indeed. He was in Arizona for the 2005-2006 seasons. That is the case. Well done, sir. And then the other one for this morning, four teams, one of which admittedly I utterly forgot. I had no recollection whatsoever. Um, only a two-time All-Star. Finished in the top 15 of MVP voting twice. Four teams for Tino Martinez. Tino Martinez was a Seattle Mariner. Of course. And he was a New York Yankee. Of course. And he was definitely a Tampa Bay Devil. That was the one I didn't remember at all. I remember the other one. Okay. So the other stop for Tino Martinez somewhere along the it way. It was between Gosh. he was in New York till 01, then he spent two seasons in this place before he was in Tampa in 04. Did he go to the Cubs? Oh, you're so close. Oh, you're so close. Oh, was he a White Sox? Well, no, I was going to the rival, the Cardinals. The Cardinals oh, was the stop. Yep, the Cardinals. And I remember that one, but I had no recollection of him spending a season in Tampa whatsoever in 04. I, I kind of felt like it was somewhere in the Midwest. I, I just 
you know, and I do feel like that was the era in which Tampa basically had everyone play for them at some point, right? Like, mm-hmm. this was the Wade Boggs got his run there. Jose Canseco got his run. Like, for a little while, Tampa just sort of had everybody at some point end up spending a little bit of time down there. And nobody at the right time. No, no, not at all. Fred McGriff, of course, was down in Tampa. God, they really did. They, boy, Wilson Alvarez, anyone? That, oh, my God, I forgot Wilson Alvarez had a run in Tampa. Oh, man. All right, sir, what's the uh, schedule have for you this week? Definitely going to be at Maryland and Ohio State on Saturday. Might try to squeeze in Loyola BU beforehand, but the, the big game in the area, I think, is that Maryland-Ohio State game, just to see if, if anybody's going to get uh, Maryland. I think that kind of becomes the, the big question here, and certainly the team worth tracking as closely around here as much as anybody as the tournament approaches. They're the one team I think we all know is going to be playing a couple weekends into May at this point. No question. Certainly some others have a shot, but definitely want to see as much of Maryland as I can. At Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter is how you follow. And Patrick Stevens, always appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for taking the time. Let's talk again next Tuesday. Awesome, Glenn. Take care. It's Patrick Stevens joining us as he does every, every Tuesday morning here on GCR. Better, better, better. We're getting there. Papa Cass. Papa Cass is so full of life, and then she gets very nervous. She is like the most bubbly. Like she's she's here. I, I was trying to explain. I was describing to uh, somebody asked me about Papa Cass. I said, I don't know exactly what Papa Cass is going to do with her life, but I know she's going to improve every company that she's with just because of her attitude, just because of her the way that she approaches the day. They're going to be happy to have Cass around. That's how I praise. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. By the way, I am going to see that movie. I'm going to see it. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so absurd. I have to see oh, it. I, I don't know. What, I can't remember what it's called, but I have to uh, see it the, also. Uh, uh, unbearable ta- or un, the, un, the unbearable weight of massive talent or something like that. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Um, anyway, the moral of the story is I was explaining that about Cass recently. But it's a little bit, she's very nervous. She's very nervous as she runs the board. You don't get the same bubbly cast. You get very buttoned up, very apprehensive, very just racked with nerves cast. Are you like this in sports? No, not at all. You are. You don't, do you have any nerves at all before a game? No. No. How about before a presentation, before a class? No. Why uniquely See, this? See, I, because... I've spent my whole life playing soccer, so like I don't get nervous. You just have com- you know I'm you're good at it. With. Well, no, it's like with how I explain it is it's practice, right? Like if you practice enough, then that's where confidence comes from. Like people, like you don't just get confidence. Like well, I, you've been doing this for a few weeks now. <laughs> Are you, no, no, you're you hear that noise that she just like, made? No, you're comparing. <laughs> I would like that. to try to replicate that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like comparing <laughs> that to like. There was an NY sound. Of soccer. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I'm so comfortable with speaking in front of people. Like, I literally could, I'm not kidding. You could put me in a room filled with people I know, I don't know, I don't care. You could put 100 people, two people, and I wouldn't care talking in front of them. It's really funny. Like, I, every now and then, still, like, and I, this is what I do for a living, but every now and then, in front of a group I've never spoken to before, I actually do feel like a tinge of a nerve. Because I don't know, I, I haven't been able to read the room yet. I don't know what it is that they're looking for from me. Right. I talk about this constantly. When I go for the first time to speak to a new group, I don't know exactly why it is they want me there. You know, like I've been, I've been asked to come speak at colleges. I've been asked, to, and I'm like, I'm a dope. 
Like, why, <laughs> do you see me? I'm wearing a Spider-Man hat and a hoodie. Like, why do you want me to come speak to your group? And so when I get there, there's a bit of nerves because I don't know what it is they're expecting. Like, are they expecting me to go into a song and dance routine at some point during my presentation? Are they just expecting me to stand up there and be a dope? Like, what? I don't know what they want from me. So I do. I feel nerves, despite the fact that I talk for a living, when I speak for the first time in front of any particular group just because I don't know what they want. And it's hard for you to lay out. It's one thing, like, you get hired to do a certain job. They're like, well, you have to filed this many, many TPS reports during the course of the day. Okay, I know what, I get that. I know what I'm supposed to do. But when somebody says, even the first time I worked at the casino, I'm like, what are we doing exactly here? Like, what is this? And nobody could really define it for me. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll just wing it. You know, like, I guess I'll just figure it out as I go along. And there was an amount of nerve that came. If you ask Rita, every now and then when we are at, like the first time at the casino and then sometimes with the Bowser show when it's a different audience and I haven't seen this audience before and I, I don't know if they think that like we're going to really blow them away with the most brilliant like per- show that's ever happened in the history of ever or if they understand we're just going to joke around about Tabasco sauce. Like I don't know what it is that we're getting into and so there's a bit of nerve that comes with that for me. I get that. It's just for me, I think of it like this. No matter what, like I think if I did get nervous, it would be I get more nerves in front of people I do know. Really? Because then it's like, oh my gosh, if I mess up, they know me. Ah. But if it's a room filled of people like I don't know, my whole mindset is I I'm here for a reason. You obviously want to hear me talk. Mm-hmm. I'm a, and I'll never see you again. Like at this point, like and if I do, like it is what it is, but like I'm going to get up here, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and if you don't like it, then like I'm probably never going to see you, see, you again. the people that know me know not to expect much, right? <laughs> like They know I'm not really going to wow them with anything. I'm not going to blow them over with some incredible quote they're going to walk away talking about for the next couple of weeks. So I don't worry about them because they know to keep their expectations low. The people that don't know me, they might think that I'm brilliant, right? They don't know. Somebody's coming to speak to me. He must be very smart. Nope, not at all. I mangle the language constantly. I, but my friends, the people that know me, they know that. They know what they're getting into. They understand. They've signed up for it for whatever reason. These people, they have no idea. They could think that I'm going to really impress them somehow, some way. And then I walk in and I'm just a boob. Like I am <laughs> just this stumbling idiot that's some, for some reason been hired to give them this presentation. All right. Uh, today's show also brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. What a very touching moment before the baseball game yesterday. I did. I I cried. I'm not afraid to, with the, the firefighters' kids and Kiana Holly's uh, child. It was an unbelievable moment before the baseball game yesterday. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Got some more responses I want to get to. Uh, John followed up with a really good idea, and I've talked about this before as far as the things that can change related to the ballparks. That's our topic du jour today, our think tank. You've got over a billion dollars to spend the up, to upgrade the ballparks. How are you going about it? Check in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Let me know what you think. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Sports. 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Hey, O's families, break out your orange and black for kids' opening day on April 17th when the O's take on the New York Yankees. Be one of the first 7,500 fans, 14 and under, to receive an Orioles pop-it toy. And after the game, kids are invited to take to the field and run the bases like the pros, all presented by Wise Markets. Plus, experience a family fun day at the yard with caricatures, the Easter Bunny, and more. Celebrate the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards with kids' opening day. Buy now at Orioles.com kids. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now, two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR, Tuesday edition of the program. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles Ross Grimsley caught up with Orioles legend Sweet Swinging Kenny Singleton. You can find that right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or go to the videos tab at pressboxonline.com and check it out there. All right, um, so, John, I love this idea. As I talk about, to me, again, priorities. We're spending the money. We now know there's going to be over a billion dollars that's going to be spent on upgrading the stadiums. And I have talked a lot over the years about, and I, I mean, I wrote a piece a few years ago. I, I remember writing something. I had not been to a Ravens game as a fan in, like, 
15 years or something like that. And then I went, whatever year they opened against the Bills on like a 105 degree day. And my wife had been asking me, because my wife and I have literally gone to like three Ravens games, two, two Ravens games together ever, the two of us. Because of the job. The job prevents me from going. I was traveling. I was on the road. She would every now and then tag along on a road trip. Like I remember her and a friend going with me. I had to cover a game in Cleveland on the day after Christmas. And I, this is when the Browns were miserable. This would have been 09, 010, something along those lines. Remember on Christmas Day, we were talking with her family. And they were like, um, so what are your plans for the weekend? I'm like, well, tomorrow I got to get in a car at... 6 a.m. and drive out to Cleveland to cover a stupid football game. And for whatever reason, she just looked at me. She's like, I want to go. I'm like, to Cleveland? It's five degrees out. This is what I was talking about earlier. Like, this is, why would, like, what do you want to go next? To Crete? Like, what in the world? Why do you want to go to Cleveland? She's like, I don't know. I don't have anything to do tomorrow. See the river that catches on fire. Yeah, you could do that. I'm like, but it's, it's December 20th. It's like, it's, it's miserable. I said, why in the world would you want to go to Cleveland? She's like, I just, I got nothing to do. Let's go. You got to go anyway. Why can't I just go with you? I'm like, because I can't sit with you in the stands. I got work to do. She's like, well, what if I find a friend? I'm like, if you can find a friend that wants to get in a car at 6 a.m. and drive to Cleveland to watch a football game in five-degree weather, by all means. In fact, I looked and I found out that like tickets were like all of eight dollars because it was a miserable browns team said you want to go by all means and sure enough she starts calling around her friends and she finds somebody that's willing to go with her they like wore 27 layers and sat in the miserable cleveland stadium to watch a football game but we ever like she i don't know a decade into us being together was like we'd have never gone to a football game together so she suckered me into taking a, a a sunday off and going with her to the season opener against the bills when it was just a billion degrees outside and i remember after that experience i wrote something for press box about all right now having experienced it as a fan for the first time in a long time here are some things that stood out to me like the misery of trying to get a water it was a miserable experience like halftime is worthless like as soon as you stand up there's the crowds are just insanely there's not enough room to move around everything's bunched up and i don't know maybe they've changed that a little bit because it's been years since i've been back right Mm -hmm. and like I don't know. Maybe they change it. But I was inspired to write a few things. And one of my big takeaways was looking at the stadium and saying, this thing lives for eight days a year. And then, like, maybe there's a Beyonce concert or maybe there's a college football game or maybe there's... Like, at we're talking tops. The stadium lives and breathes at the absolute most 14 days out of the year. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's desolate. It it doesn't exist. I mean, th- there are some offices there that the Ravens I know were were using a lot while um, they were rebuilding their own facility. I think since the re- their own facility's been finished, I don't even think they use any of the offices there. Like it's just there. We can do better than this. And I remember everybody saying the same, asking the same questions, like, "Well, how?" I'm like, well, it's not hard. You create things that people would want to go see. Mm. If you happen to be downtown for business and you're a Ravens fan, there's something there that you would want to go touch and feel and experience. And that's how you breathe life into the facility. The idea that John threw out is tremendous. Uh, They really need to get a proper Hall of Fame or museum for both teams. 
and get those collections that were on exhibit and sports legends back out. It's a crime they're wasting away in storage. This could be a massive deal to attract new fans and educate. Think about a partnership with city schools to afford them a field trip to learn about their teams and history. Plus, this would attract tourists and others. Um, yes, this is the type of thing that I know the Cincinnati Reds have like a hall, a team hall of fame at their stadium. I think that one, however, is only open on game days, and you do have to 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 sort of measure. How many people are really coming in to see this thing and, mm. and the cost of staffing and all of that sort of stuff? And you have to figure that out as you do it. But that's why I would do it in partnership with a restaurant that you also open within the stadium that you configure so that you can have access to the restaurant without access to the rest of the stadium. That you can make it so that there's a gate that could open up to the stadium on game days but be closed the rest of the year so that when people come in. This was something that um, famously... It's it's kind of funny. For years in Phoenix, the state the baseball stadium had a TJI Fridays, right? Not exactly a tourist who destination. Does, who doesn't love TGI Fridays? That's a different conversation for a different day. If they want to come on and spend money with us, I'll be the biggest TGI Friday guy on the T-Jit. Thank God it's yeah, Thursday. Right? Whatever it is. But it worked. They they hosted events there. There were even when there were the games, we would be paid to come to our show. And host like a watch party for a big Diamondbacks away game. And it was a cool experience because the other side opened up into the stadium. You could actually see the field, right? But yet it was separated from the stadium itself. Famously, of course, in Toronto, they had a Hard Rock Cafe that was up uh, up top. And they had a hotel up top at Sky Dome where you could, you know, watch. I think if I remember right, famously, they were, like during the middle of the game, they caught the, the fornicators in the hotel overlooking the stadium that were quite distracting to everybody who was attending the game. But the, the, it was something that lived and breathed and existed on its own but could also be part of the game day experience. And I've talked about this forever. And if you combine these concepts into one, within the stadium, Hall of Fame, museum type of exhibit, plus sports book, bar, restaurant, area, plus team store that's open every day of the week. You can create demand for people to constantly be living and breathing and experiencing the Ravens and having a touch with the Ravens. You can then host events there during the year. You can do plenty of things with that that you can't do otherwise. And anyone who's a fan of football could come experience some interactive, you're in town for whatever reason, I like football, I'll go over and look at these statues, I'll go over and look at this museum. I've talked about this internally. And you'd have to do it in partnership with the Babe Ruth Museum because some of the stuff from Sports Legends now lives there. And you got to figure out exactly how you make all of that work. Um, but it's something that I would be prioritizing for sure as far as upgrading the game day experience, the facility, the idea of creating a touch for these teams that doesn't exist otherwise. And and maybe it's something that you combine, right? We talk about this Wrigleyville concept that if you use space between the stadiums, instead of having this this thing exist within the stadium itself, it could exist in this village where there's an Orioles museum and there's a Ravens museum and there's sort of a partnered sports book area with a bar and a restaurant and team stores for both that exist within this and there's maybe some room to have you know a live music or some, something that looks like a power plant live right in there something like that 
I think that's a great idea too. But having a touch beyond, it's important for game day, but even more important beyond game day. I think that is absolutely atop the list of my priorities. From Dan. Dan says, Glenn, there's not a lot of significant upgrades that I think need to be made. They can always improve the Wi-Fi. You know, you say that, Dan. I thought the Wi-Fi was pretty good yesterday. Um, my father, for whatever reason, my father's getting up there in age. He brought his old phone with him <laughs> yesterday. God love him. And he had, to, in order to, like, because we in order to show your ticket, right? Like, you have to download this app. Mm-hmm. So he had to use the Wi-Fi on his old phone in order to get the app, in order to download the ticket that I sent him, in order to be able to like walk back and go take a leak and then come back and show the guy, hey, this is my seat. I, I'm sitting here. He had to do all that. And he did it all on the Wi-Fi, despite the fact that it was probably the biggest crowd there's going to be in the stadium all year, and there was no problem. I actually think maybe it's still an issue, Like, and I don't know what it's like at the Ravens Stadium, but I can say yesterday the Wi-Fi was, was, was very much uh, a thumbs up for uh, my father and his experience on opening day. From Tony, Tony says, do, do, do. Uh, yeah, look, a couple people have, have this isn't going to bleed into Masson. Th- this is related to the stadiums, man. The the state has nothing to do with Masson. I mean, I'd, I'd love to make some upgrades to Masson, and I'd love that, that, but this has nothing to do with that. Now, you know, if the baseball team can be more profitable, perhaps they could spread some more of that money around to doing some better things related to Masson, right? Like that, I... It's a di- conversation for a different day. This money will have nothing to do with Masson. This is facility money. This The state owns and operates the facilities. They have tenants in the Ravens and the Orioles. They are upgrading the facilities for those tenants, but it's not going to have anything to do with uh, Masson whatsoever. Um, from Rob. Rob says, Glenn, it's an interesting question. I would say that Offering more on-site parking would go a long way. I know that doesn't seem like an upgrade to the facility itself, but in the area surrounding the facilities, I feel like there could be more on-site parking instead of having to park further away and giving money to somebody that you're not sure if you trust or having to walk through neighborhoods that you don't know if you want to walk through at certain times that aren't necessarily well lit. I feel like they would do well in order to somehow create more parking, maybe have garages that are owned and operated by the facility. Okay, I think that's a reasonable, you know, I, I, on board. I, I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't, there's got to be a limit to that. Like, there's only so many cars that you can park in a downtown area. Um, but I would agree that that if the parking lots are closer to the stadium, that might be something that somebody would say, well, I feel a bit more comfortable knowing I'm only going to have to walk this far and I'm going to be walking. There are gigantic lit areas where we're parking our cars or you know, a garage that the team builds, something along those lines. I, yes, is my, it, it, it would be a, a nightmare for getting out. Like if they suddenly turned the, the parking area between into giant garages, I mean, it would become a nightmare for getting mm-hmm. out after games. But as far as safety and, and feeling comfortable, yeah, I, I do think that would actually go a long way. I parked at the at the Horseshoe Casino for a Ravens game mm-hmm. several years back, and it took us two hours to get out of the parking garage. It was... That's a little surprising just because like you would think that the distance would stagger people and when they got back and when they arrived. But I also think, by the way, I do think this is part of the concept of, of, a, of a village too is that after games, it's somewhere for people to go maybe yeah. a little and decompress. And if you say, hey, I'd like to wait out. My father and I talk about this a lot. Like if you take the light rail in, 
that first you're getting on a light rail when an event ends sucks because yep. you're just people on top of people. It's a purple hat cheetah print dancing on the people rolled up at the after joint dancing, dancing on the people situation. I think everybody knows it's a classic, uh, a Sophie Tucker situation. Um, it's a great song. You guys should, it's such a good song. My, it my, it's my four year old's favorite. Um, so it sucks. So a lot of times we will decide if we took the light rail to an event, we'll be like, yeah, let's just go find somewhere to, to, to get some food or have a drink afterwards. Mm-hmm. But the idea being you you put that closer to the ballpark itself or to the stadium itself, and it gives people an area to wait out, let the kind of crowd die down, and then hop on the light rail afterwards when, once you're not going to be literally breathing in someone else's airspace when you get on the uh, the train. Oh, man, after, after any sporting event, I'm an old man. Beforehand, I'll go to bars, I'll go to restaurants, whatever you guys want to do. But when the game's over, you just want to leave. I want to go home. Yeah, I'm more inclined to either. That's why I'm either more inclined to leave early, like we did yesterday, or I'm more inclined to wait it out afterwards, right? right? Like, if I can plan my day. Like, I can think of, like, the. I remember distinctly after the Delman Young game, we decided we were going to go to... Um, uh, uh, the, the the nice steakhouse, the one right. Like we're just like we'll just go sit at the bar. We'll get ourselves a a steak and uh, and a drink, and we'll wait it out because we just knew it was going to be insanity trying to get back right. after that point. So we just decided we would wait it out from there. Uh, John follows up. The team should install some water stations in and allow the fans to bring in a plastic bottle so they can get water without being gouged or having to wait forever to buy it. I don't know if that's. And they have wa- there are water fountains within this now. If you want to say change it to like what you see at the gym, where it's more of a directly made for filling up a water bottle, like I mean, I'd, I'd be okay with that. I think that's a pretty decent idea. I, I think I'd be on board with that. That the, that the team probably wouldn't be on board. That's yes, because it would you'd be losing profit. But at some point, we have to delineate between profit and like the safety and, and public health. Like mm-hmm. the two things have there has to be. A consideration between those two things, and especially at a baseball stadium where you're going to be there, it's like the nights where they're like, "Hey, we'll give you cups of ice." Like, thanks, guys. Like, at some point, there's got to be a, a consideration for public health yeah. that's given, and I do think that that's one that, that should be considered. And uh, we'll get one more. These have been good today. I appreciate it. This has been a good conversation uh, from Chris. Chris says, Glenn, I feel like there can be more interactive things to do at the ballpark. I, like you, have young kids, and I know that they have the playground area at the baseball stadium. There isn't a lot for kids to do at Ravens games. I understand football games aren't necessarily places for kids, but people still want to bring and create memories and create fandom. Particularly if you go into the stadium early, there should be more things to do for the kids that come. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I hypothetically, I agree with that. Right? Again, I'd need to know exactly what that looks like. As someone who's te- I have not taken my kids to a football game, not at the um not a not a Ravens game. Um, but I've taken plenty of times to Orioles games and they do they race out to that playground area down in, down the uh, the first baseline. Um could there be more? Sure. I mean, I, I would I would say there could be more. There's there's a fine line, right, between how much of your space you can use for things that are unrelated to watching the baseball game. Um, versus how much of it you'd have to use on the baseball game itself. But sure, more for kids. Especially, I don't know of anything off the top of my head that they do at Ravens games. I have no idea of anything like that. I, I think they have like areas where you can throw a football through the like, through, a, like the hole or whatever. Okay. I think I, mean, I think I've seen that nothing. there, but... 
mean, but they say, could. They could definitely have to say more. you could do more for for wanting to get families to come to games or wanting to to indoctrinate and create new fans and have people grow up with the teams and rooting for the teams and having interest. Yes, I would agree. Again, hypothetically, that you could do more to upgrade that experience for families. I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Of course, people that you know that don't have families would say you could do more for drunks. You could do more for those of us that just want to come party. You could create a new like the Orioles created the Centerfield Bar and it's been a a hit. What could the Ravens do that would be similar to that? They of course have sort of the specific areas upstairs, but for the average person that comes to a game, could they create kind of a party area within the stadium? For people that are just there to, to get drunk and, and well, they have the Miller Lite flight deck, and you like, like but I you think said. you have to have a specific ticket in order yeah, to get into you do. that. That's the you, the uniqueness of the Centerfield Bar at Camden Yards is anybody can go. Mm-hmm. Anybody who comes to the game can go you know, hang out at the bar in Centerfield. Could the Ravens create something similar within the stadium? Could the football stadium have a gathering area for young people? to hang out during the games and watch and get drunk and maybe try to talk to a girl or whatever it is, right? Like, could they create that within, or talk to a guy, whatever it is, whoever you, whatever you're into, we are not here to judge. We do not kink shame, as everyone knows. It's very important. But could they create something like that? Sure. I think that um, that's something they could go about doing. Good stuff. This has been a good conversation. Hey, today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, all right. From unrelated, from Joe. Joe said, Glenn, when do you think there actually will be a spawn? Oh, this isn't unrelated. This is... Uh, Joe Wynn says, when do you think there actually will be a sports book at the stadium? It's still kind of weird to me that this exists, and yet there isn't one at the baseball stadium. I am to understand it is coming, Joe, that there will be, that will be happening. I just don't, I don't have any of the unique details, but yeah, sure. The fact that you can bet on sports, and yet you can't do it at the stadium, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. That's weird. Right now, it's the casinos. It's the same problem that we have with the mobile betting thing. It needs to happen. It needs to be fixed, and... I have no doubt that it's coming. Like everything else, it has taken too long to get to this point and hopefully won't take much longer. And from James. James says, Glenn, listen, yesterday you did not talk much about uh, the Ravens bringing back Calais Campbell and Josh Bynes. What were your thoughts? I don't know if we talked about it at all. In fact, James, we were talking a lot of baseball, little masters yesterday. Um, Logical. Is my thoughts. A couple people pointed out that maybe it's a little bit more money than you'd be giving Calais Campbell at this point in his career. I don't know. I mean, it's not a particularly significant amount of money. And who else are you spending that money on at this point? Like, who else is out there How much for did you to they, spend the money on? I didn't see the, um, the parameters of the deal. I, didn't see I don't what remember got. what the actual numbers were. But I remember thinking, like, really? That's that's what you're giving Calais Campbell at this point? Uh, two years, $12.5 million. Wow. Two years. Well, I mean, but that's, you know, it's football two years, yeah. right? Like, it doesn't really mean anything. Nothing's real. Um, I don't know. They're, they're logical moves. They, they, it, it, at worst, it's more depth. At best, Calais Campbell plays as well as he's played at times. You know, obviously, we don't think it can continue as he's this deep into his career. Um, Josh Bynes, every time the Ravens have been in a, no pun intended, bind, Josh Bynes has been the in case of emergency break glass guy, and so why not keep him around 
and have him involved in whatever capacity. I just, they both seem like kind of smart decisions to me as far as you're at this point, whatever money you have to spend, this is what's out there. And they weren't signing elsewhere in a way that was going to get you anything as far as compensatory picks were concerned. Sure, bring back Calais Campbell and Josh Bynes. I don't think it's going to be the game changer. I don't think suddenly I look, well, now the Ravens have a top two defense in the NFL because they brought back. But but what is the, how would anybody be opposed? In what way is your team better without these guys? Right. If you're assuming that now you don't have to think about defense um, at any point in the NFL draft, well, then, yeah, that's a mistake. But in a vacuum, just re-signing Calais Campbell and Josh, I just don't know what really there was to say, frankly. It was logical. It was smart to some extent right like it was just a very logical thing to do to bring back these two guys that were still sitting there on the market and it didn't cost you an extraordinary amount of money in order to do it they know they know the way that you do things obviously it'll be a different coordinator and mike mcdaniel and we'll see if that changes things but you know he kind of came from this system he learned here so i'm guessing it's not going to be drastically different makes sense to bring those guys back Let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit of the day is brought to you today by Underdog Fantasy Football. Of course, you know how much I love Underdog. You'll love Underdog, too, if you start playing. As I mentioned, you still can't bet on your phone or on your computer, but you can play Underdog Fantasy Football. Feel like you're betting because you can play player props and parlays, things like that that make you feel like you're betting. The other great thing is that we're giving you free money. You use the code PRESSBOX when you sign up. Make your first deposit up to $100. We match it with free money for you to play with. UnderdogFantasy.com. Download the Underdog app. Baseball contests available. Basketball contests as the playoffs get underway with the play-in tournament tonight. Hockey contests all available. Again, UnderdogFantasy. UnderdogFantasy.com. All right, 2022 seems to be the year of the rookie with top prospects Bobby Witt Jr., Julio Rodriguez, um, Spencer Torkelson, O'Neal Cruz, and when he debuts, Adley Rutschman, just to name a few, starring as a topic of conversation. But the rookie stealing all the headlines right now is Cleveland Guardians outfielder Steven My Kwan. Word. Through four games, Kwan is living on the base paths. Not only is the rookie 9 for 13 with two doubles, a triple, and three RBIs, but he's also walked five times, been hit by a pitch, and has zero strikeouts to his name thus far. In fact, he has yet to swing and miss this season. It's unbelievable. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's look, it's it's still a small sample size, but it's it's wild. Yeah. Dating back to 1901, Quan now owns the rookie record for most times on base in the player's first four career games, having reached base safely 15 times. Certainly, an all-time start to a career since and including 2001. 17 rookies have posted a five-war or higher season. Seven of those rookies posted a six-war or so, higher. Right, say that one more time. So since uh, since and including uh-huh. the 2001 season, okay. 17 rookies have posted a war of five or higher. Seven of those rookies posted a war of six or higher. Can you name those seven rookies? Is is 2000? Is I'm assuming it's you saying 2001 because it's Ichiro. Like that's when this starts. Ichiro seven point seven. That is correct. So it's it's everything post Ichiro. Well, no, it's, it's ev- everything including Ichiro. Right, but that's yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, like yeah. Ichiro is the line of demarcation for yes. this. That's why it was 2001. Um, okay. Uh, now I got to really think about it. God. Um, are there any other of the unique like? There's one. There's another one from 2001. Well, that's not what I, I meant. Like more, Are there anyone else that like was a Japanese player that wasn't really a rookie, but 
got to be a rookie because of no. Okay. Couple of these I don't. Couple of these I right. don't think you'll get. But Mike Mike Trout. Mike Trout had the highest ten point five in two thousand twelve. Makes sense. Insane. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper just missed. He had five point eight. That guy sucks. Yeah, he's terrible. What a bum. Higher than his MVP season. Uh. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, a WAR of eight point zero in twenty seventeen. I'm trying to think of the other one. From, you said there's another one from two thousand one. Yes. Is it? I, I just don't remember if this was was. Was Pujols 2001? Yep, 6.6. Okay. You have three left, and these are the three I didn't know that you'd get. Do you I, want me to I'm tell not, you the years? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's even that's going to help. Uh, uh, the, the 2007, 2010, and 2013. No, it didn't help at all, but thank you. I do appreciate the attempt. One of these gentlemen is no longer with us. One of these gentlemen is no longer with us. Roy Holiday? He was before that. No, he's well yeah. before that. Oh, that's going to screw with me. I'm going to think too much about that. I'm going to think way too much about mm. baseball play. Who's passed? Man. You race. Yeah, right? I'm going to end up being all over the place with that one and not getting there. 2000. Give me the years again. 2007. 2007. 2010. It's not Josh Hamilton, is it? No. And 2013. 2007, 2010, 2013. I don't know if I'm going to get these. I can tell you. Would you like me to tell you the teams? Yeah, maybe. So for 2007, he played for the Rockies, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays. 2010, he played for the, Rockies, the Braves, the, the Cubs, and hang the on, Cardinals. Hang on. Is that Troy Tulowitzki? Troy Tulowitzki, 6.8. Okay, the next one was... He played for the Braves. What year? Uh, 2010, played yeah. for the Braves, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. The Braves, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. The Braves, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. Oh, Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward, 6.4. And the other one? The final one, he played for the Marlins. Oh, um, yeah, Jose Fernandez. Jose Fernandez, He's the one who's no longer with us. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a bummer. All right, that was good. I... I I struggled. I struggled. It was not a, a dominant performance. Oh, you know what? We haven't done top five. That is correct. Were you not going to say anything to me? Were you going to let me finish the entire show without doing... Cass is over here just sulking, and I... <laughs> You're going to let me finish the show for getting to do top five? I was thinking about it all oh, show, and then to, I forgot. Damn it. We're going to do it quickly, too. I all right. I was not sulking. I was admiring that you can name people like that. No, I I feel bad about it. Cass, you know, you can just remind me, like, hey, yeah, wave. Are we not She's doing that? She's producing. This one's on her. Right? Yeah, you are the producer today. You kind of screwed this up. My mind is, uh, like, not on top five. Like, my mind All right, we got to do this. We got to do this quickly. Cass' top five this week brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is still available, but only for another week or so at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Go get it. Gary Williams is on the cover. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland's Men's Basketball National Championship. Pressboxonline.com is where you can read all of it. All right, Cass, we're going to have to fly through this week's top five. What is the topic? The top five is like um, my top five, I guess, vacations that I've been on. Okay. Not really vacations, <laughs> but like places kind of, that I've been. Okay, all right. Top five places. All right. They've just happen to be kind of like vacations. All right, all right, all right. Let's okay, so at five, my favorite place ever is Gatlinburg. I love Gatlinburg. It's like I one of my favorite places. I love Gatlinburg. I'm it's ge somewhere... geographically I challenged, so I don't know... Tennessee. Tennessee. And, okay. and it's awesome. It's like take a, like mm -hmm. a beach resort town, but put it in the hills. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, for some reason, it doesn't feel as 
trashy Mm-mm. as like when you go to a beach resort town. Like it feels like a classy beach resort town, but in the hills. Man, it, it's a cool place. The only time I ever went bungee jumping in my life was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Sounds like Massanutten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been to Ma- I don't even know what Massanutten is. I do. It's actually near me. It's in it's in Virginia. It's about four yeah. hours okay. from here. Um, they have like a ski resort, an indoor water, water park. park. They have okay. all, all sorts right. of stuff. It's it's kind of it's, it's, it's kind of ish. It's, it's more old towny to me. Yeah, like, I agree. Literally, that's where me and my family got our like western photos done. That's what I'm saying it has some of the quality. Some of the oh, quality. Frontier town moonshine. Yeah, but, like you think about some of the things that you like from from resort towns. Mm-hmm. Put it in the hills. It, Gatlinburg's a cool place. Apparently, there's some like skywalk thing you can do. There is. I never did that when. My I sister and her boyfriend. I did would it. love to do that. I'm all in on it's getting on the skywalk. I want to do that. Me. Oh, really? I'm, I'm I'm terrified of heights. Oh, okay. Well, then yeah. I'm just saying, Gallenberg is like take a. It's literally take we, the beach without the beach. Yeah, we strong agree on Gallenberg. By the way, we, I, it's, love. And by the way, the worst part about the beach is the beach. You get sand everywhere. It's in every crevice of your body. I can get rid of the beach and still have the <gasps> beach. I'm oh, a 10 and, and a if half. you go, you have to do hillbilly golf. Hillbilly putt putt. It's like on this like mountain, and you like go up. It's the best. I'm thing all in. in. The I'm all in. in I can't. I need to go back to Gallenberg because I didn't thing. experience this. All right, we got to pick up the pace. We okay. only got through one. Number I got so excited talking about Gallenberg. <laughs> I love Gallenberg. It's a great place. Number four is Washington, like state. Oh, okay, I've not spent time out one that of my way. Favorite the Sunshine places. State, gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> no, everybody says it's, uh, like it's 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 somewhere I need to visit. It's where my mom grew up, so I just love it. Rains a lot. There is mm-hmm. that. You got to deal mm-hmm. with that a little bit. Okay. Number three would be Gothenburg, like Denmark and like oh, okay. Copenhagen. I was like, hey, I was like I it's in it. Sweden. All right. I believe you. Love I it. Don't know. Best place ever. Two, I put Maui. Well, I mean, in fairness. You've been to yeah, Maui? Right. I have. That's cool. Yeah, decent I've life. Never- yeah, right. <laughs> decent life Papa Cass is living. And then one is Harry Potter World and Universal. <laughs> <laughs> number one place. It Negated is. the entire world. list. I'm not kidding. It beats Maui for world. me. All right. I'm, I'm sorry we had to rush through That's that. That's okay. Cast. That's on me. I should have. Uh, I, I screwed up, but you also screwed up because you're the producer. I'll just blame it all anything. on me today. All right. Uh, Tubular brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel. Actually, you know what? We can save that one because uh, we'll be doing uh, Simply the Bets here in a second. So Tubular instead will be brought to you by the Baltimore Police. We need some folks, need some people that are ready to step up and be a part of the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. All right, um, here we go. Totally tubular night. Have the Orioles announced a pitcher yet, Paul? No, it's still TBD. Who, who could it be? Uh, it's looking like it's probably going to be a piggyback with Alex Wells and Spencer Watkins. Okay, all right. That's that's. Yep. But that's they have. They do not have a fifth starter. Essentially, is the word. Um, anyway, the moral of the story is that the Orioles continue their series with the Brewers tonight, seven o'clock. Eric Lauer goes for the Brew Crew. It's on Masson two. Nationals Braves seven twenty on Masson. ESPN Plus Mariners White Sox at four. MLB Network Mets Phillies at six forty five. What's the story? There's some controversy with Alec Brom because he said, "Oh, he he said I hate playing in this." In, he in said, this "Oh, I hate city. this effing place." That's what he said. I hate this effing place. As the Phillies were losing last night, they ended up coming back to win, and then he had to be all very apologetic afterwards, like because oh, they were booing him. Mm. So that's why he was mad. Uh, Padres Giants for uh, TBS on a Tuesday night. Padres Giants nine thirty. ESPN for Flyers Capitals at seven. Lightning Stars at nine thirty. TNT the NBA's play-in tournament. Cavaliers Nets Clippers Timberwolves. Again, the winners of these games are in to the uh, playoffs. The losers have to play again on Friday. CBS Champions League this afternoon. Real Madrid and Chelsea at three. 
Also on Paramount Plus, Bayern Munich and Villarreal at 3. The U.S. women play a friendly tonight at 7 against Uzbekistan. And the USA for the WWE NXT tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Uh, your favorite, Mr. Mayor, at 8.30. I do enjoy Mr. Mayor. Um, there's there's nothing really of interest other than that. The girl from Plainville. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I left that in there. That's that's not it. A Hard Sell. It's a new Netflix series. Sure out, and then um, Storage Wars. All right. Very good. All right. Find it at GlennClarkRadio.com. Thanks today to Mike Bordick. Thanks to Patrick Stevens. We'll get that up in the Greatest Hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, Drew Forrester joins us tomorrow. and stuff. In the- it's been a struggle this week. We uh, we should uh, petition that opening day never be on a Monday again. Kind of screwed us up. We got we to gotta move it to Fridays moving forward so we can attack the next week afterwards. But we'll have uh, uh, great stuff and things the rest of the week. I know Daniel Jeremiah is joining us on Thursday. That's a good thing. Looking forward to that. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Cass, social media, quickly, quickly. Cassidy underscore Elizabeth 22 for Instagram and then Cassidy Butler 5 for Twitter. Quickly. You have damaged this poor young woman. Uh, uh, Paul, thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third on Twitter. Thanks to Ryan at Rexfex Ryan. Follow us Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday night. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. If you're with us on video, give us one minute. We'll be back with simply the bets. Welcome in to Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to catch up with uh, FanDuel Sportsbook assistant GM Leon Twyman, find out what's going on this week. And in just one second here, Aaron Oster is going to join us from out in Vegas at VEASAN. As the Masters in the rearview mirror, thank you to Rory McIlroy for saving my butt this weekend. As far as the Masters were concerned, I appreciate all of you who came out and joined us in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We had a tremendous time hanging out with you, giving away free golf. And the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, and I will be back in the FanDuel Sportsbook coming up on April 28th for the first round of the NFL Draft with more great giveaways and betting advice. Try to help you win some money betting the draft. Look forward to doing that. Of course, 61 self-service kiosks that are open 24-7 in the FanDuel Sportsbook. So whatever it is that you're betting on, you're betting soccer early in the morning, no problem. The self-service kiosks are open even if the sportsbook itself isn't. And live betting is the best thing in the world. I've been having some success live betting some baseball the last couple of nights. 
In fact, no joke, last night I won $100 live betting with the Yankees score a run in the ninth inning against the, who were they playing, the Blue Jays last night? Yeah. It was 3 nothing game. The line was sitting at 3.5, and, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Why not? I'll have some fun with this. They won't give up a run. Won 100 bucks playing that uh, live betting. Live betting's the best, man. You can do that at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Let's head out to Vegas. Joining us now, he is our friend from VEASAN, Mr. Aaron Oster. What's going on, dude? Oh, you know, just settling into the new baseball life that we have. Yeah, there's, there's that. There's baseball. But the NBA playoffs are getting underway this week. Yep. we got a lot to discuss. And then the draft starts really coming into focus as well. That's a big priority moving forward. Uh, did you do? How'd you do with the Masters? How was? Uh, I, I know you had a tough week in general last week as far as the L's were concerned. Yeah, the L's didn't do so well, and that's kind of the tricky thing about this, where I'm only giving out one play. Luckily, the the one guy who I, I didn't put into the L's was Will Zalatoris, who had a pretty good uh, good yeah, day, yeah. and that kind of salvaged the rest of the for probably, probably should have put him in your L's last week, pal. And if I had to I suggest, know. you probably should have figured out a way to do that. All right, every week Aaron gives us his five L's of sports betting. Uh, last week they might all have been to, uh, being, being losses. They might have been legitimately five L's, but really it's just the alliteration that we're looking for. Local, long-term, long shot. As far as uh, lovable and uh, loser bets, those are the five L's. Let's begin on the local front. Aaron Oster, what do you like? Well, today's a little tricky, obviously, because the Orioles still have not listed their starters. So... There are lines up there, unfortunately not at FanDuel, but I will be using this based off of another book that FanDuel will be putting up probably instantly as soon as the Orioles officially uh, name their starter. So obviously the Orioles facing the Brewers today. Eric Lauer on the mound for the Brewers, and Lauer's coming off a strong 21 season. He struck out 117 batters in 118 innings while recording a 3.19 ERA and this offseason, he's really been working on increasing his velocity. He's trying to become a true strikeout pitcher. Meanwhile, in a short sample size, the Orioles are striking out more than any other team on a per-game basis. So I'm looking right now at his strikeout prop, and Lauer's strikeout prop is four and a half strikeouts in the game. And the tricky thing, I, I really do love strikeout props. The tricky thing is early on, you just don't know how long the uh, starting pitchers are going to be allowed to get in. But at four and a half, I think I like this for Eric Lauer. Key to this one, obviously, he's just going to go five innings. If he goes five innings, I think he gets it. If he only goes four, well, there's a decent chance he misses. But I'll be betting on him to go five innings. And it's even money. It's juice to the under. So give me over four and a half strikeouts for Eric Lauer at even money. Mm, all right. Four and a half strikeouts. And the Orioles have struck out a good bit. Cedric Mullins chief among them to start the season. But I'm hoping he busted out of that yesterday with a big hit. So I hope you're wrong, Aaron Oster. I'm rooting against you tonight, and I hate playing. I hate betting against the teams that I root for. I just hate. Sometimes I do it. I just hate doing it. It's the way I it understand. Goes. All right, uh, give me your long-term bet. Give me a futures bet that you're staring at right now. Well, I'll stick in baseball for this one, and uh, I'm looking at AL Rookie of the Year, and this is an award that or in a race that hasn't started out that well because most of the. Uh, Good players in this: well, Bobby Witt, Spencer Tor- Torkelson, Adelaide well, Rushman. Obviously, it's, haven't even started, started out yet. pretty well for somebody out in Cleveland. Now, I yes, but uh, I'm not going to go to him. On his, his shot, if I could have gotten that two days ago, who knows what Shoot, that line would no have been? Doubt, man. Fifty to one is down to six hundred for Stephen Kwan, who just can't not get on base. Unreal. Uh, but I'm I'm actually looking at uh, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners right now. He's at plus four eighty, and again, he's one of the guys who hasn't started. All that strong, he did get a uh, really big hit the other day to help the Mariners win. 
But he's a guy who I, I really liked his bat for a while. He is one of the top prospects in baseball, or was coming into this season, uh, alongside Witten and Torkelson and uh, Rushman. But uh, his bat, to me, has always been the most consistent of all of them. And he's a guy who, again, I don't think starting slowly is going to be a big deal. It's not like he was there. There's some of these guys who you watch at the plate. Uh, Torkelson early in this season, he's just looked overmatched right now. He's not taking his bat off of his shoulder, not really seeing the ball really well. That's not the case with uh, Julio Rodriguez. He seems to kind of be in his zone, just needs to find the hits. And I think once uh, he does, those hits will keep coming. So at 480, I think this is still a pretty good price for uh, Rodriguez to win AL Rookie of the Year. So that's what I'm recommending right now because I feel like by the end of the month, that's going to drop. I think you're probably right about that. I said last week, if uh, if you follow, and you should be, if you follow live casino and hotels social media pages, in one of our videos last week, I said, why the hell not throw a couple bucks on Adley Rutschman for the fun of the season, right? For the fun of having something to root for as the year goes on as an Orioles fan. Sitting at 11-1 to 1 right now, and I get it. Like, he's going to be a little bit behind some of these guys who are here to start the season. But what the hell, man? For the fun of I want to have something to root for, I want to have a horse in the race, it ain't going to be the Orioles, you know, trying to get into the playoffs. Why not have a couple bucks riding on Adley Rutschman as AL Rookie of the Year at 11-1? to 1? I would toss in a few bucks. But I do like Julio Rodriguez at, at plus 482. And I actually don't hate, and like I said, with all these rookies not doing well, that just helps uh, Rushman because no one's going to really jump out to that big lead that's going to be uh, insurmountable. You know, you say that, so, but like, I think there were just enough highlights from Bobby Witt this weekend that, like, I, I think that sometimes that's as important as like somebody really, you know, lighting the world on fire is that you're doing things that people are paying attention to, and him throwing the cat out at the plate in the tenth inning from his knees sure. was a big one, and and the the game winning hit the other night. I think that that you run the risk of somebody establishing themselves as the leader in the clubhouse, sort of, and it's difficult to take someone off that pedestal unless they f up as the season goes on, right? In, in, exactly. Again, unless you and like the world I was on fire. About. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, uh, your long shot. Give me an underdog that you particularly love. Um, well, I'm going to NBA playoffs for this one, and there's a few underdogs that aren't really long shots. Like, for example, I do like the Toronto Raptors in their uh, series, but that's not quite a long shot. That's simply an underdog there. So for a long shot, how about this? Chris Paul to win NBA Finals MVP at plus 700. Ooh. And, and I still believe Suns are the favorite to win the NBA Finals, and the odds agree, yep. plus 270 to win. So instead of taking the 270, why not roll the dice on MVP and Unfortunately, this isn't a situation where if the Suns win, Paul automatically wins. Obviously, Devin Booker's there. There are other players who can win. But I really think that if it's close, if Paul has a good series Yeah, there's sort of an emotional pull to that, right? Exactly. Exactly. So why not Chris Paul plus 700 as a long shot play? So it's Booker at six to one, and Giannis at six to one is the co-favorites to be Finals yeah. MVP. Then Chris Paul at seven to one. I do like where your head's at there. That if the Suns win, and look, the likelihood is that Chris Paul, you know, he plays sort of the role of closer in a lot of games where the way the Suns play is. They get in front, and they sit Chris Paul for a little while, and teams sort of fight back, and then you bring Chris Paul back in to hit, like, 12 mid-range jumpers, mid-range jumper you to death. Like, you sort of get mm-hmm. death by paper cut at the end of the game. So even if Devin Booker p- puts up big numbers, if the Suns do the things the Suns typically do to win the title, um, I could absolutely... Like if he's, if he, yeah, if he's getting 15-15 a game, you know, yep. he's not going to get the 30-point game, but yep. he's going to... Well, and, and specifically hitting big shots in the fourth quarter to win games. I could 1,000% mm-hmm. see it. Of course, they have to play the Bucks again. I don't know that I feel good about it because <laughs> they did not handle that well. 
All right, Aaron Oster is with us from out in uh, Vegas at Vison. Let's move on. Give me uh, – do we do lovable or, or loser? We do loser first. Loser Give first. me the, the, the one first. that you say, come hell or high water, no matter what you do, do not make this bet. Uh, I really don't like that. This is an NFL draft bet at FanDuel, and looking at the first wide receiver, they are the only book – as far as I know in the world, uh, certainly in the country, as far as the major books go, to have Drake London as the first wide receiver at plus 110. Hmm. Um, I don't understand that at all. So I, You can find co-favorites sometimes between London. Everybody went with London as the sole favorite. And for most books, Garrett Wilson is the favorite. I think there's a reason for that. And, and Drake London's a great receiver. Uh, I think he's going to be a good receiver in the NFL. But he's a physical receiver more than an athletic receiver. And the physical receiver, just they don't tend to go first. The main comp is Mike Evans. You think back to his draft, as great as Mike Evans is now, it's Sammy Watkins that went first in that draft. Yeah, well, you see that time and which, time. which one worked out better? Maybe teams have learned something. I See, that's the thing. I don't think they have. Right, I really no. don't think they I have. I'd be right about that. And um, they're, they're going to go for the athletic guy, and Garrett Wilson is the athletic guy. And by the way, as we're talking about like what smart GMs would do, Jameson Williams is the best wide receiver in the group, and if he wasn't injured, he'd be clear-cut the number one. And with these teams down at the bottom, like I don't know why you wouldn't uh, take Jameson Williams. Again, we're, but we're not saying what smart GMs would do. We're thinking about what GMs would do. Um, so while it should be Jameson Williams, I think it ends up being Garrett Wilson. I think either of those, by the way, are worth worth betting. Either Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams, if you want to take a little bit of a long shot play there, are worth taking wide receiver. But the one that I absolutely hate is Drake London at plus 110. All right. You know what's funny? My two favorite receivers in the draft are, are, are Chris Olave and John Dotson, and they're so much further down the list. And they are legitimately my two favorite receivers in the draft. Um, all right. And then give me the one that you say, whatever you got to do, if you must walk – to Hanover, if you must walk down to Arundel Mills in order to get the live casino and hotel and get into the FanDuel Sportsbook, you do it because you need to make this bet immediately. Well, it's funny that you just brought up Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson because my favorite bet, possibly my favorite bet of the entire NFL draft, is uh, right now FanDuel has set the number of first-round receivers at five and a half. Mm. Think about the draft this year. Argue that the wide receiver is the best position there. Maybe edge rusher, but wide receiver is incredibly deep. Um, my host on the nightcap, uh, Sean King, that it might be one of the best wide receiver classes he remembers That's in NFL draft. And think about what the team needs. The team needs are this year. There are a lot of teams that could use wide receiver: Jets, Falcons, Commander, Texans, Chargers, Saints. Pitchers, Packers, Chiefs, all arguably favored to take a receiver in the first round. Plus, they're on teams like Cardinals or Cowboys, who maybe doesn't need it, but could certainly use one depending on who falls. Meanwhile, you have Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, all feel like locks. And then that means all you need is one team to fall in love with a Jahan Dotson from Penn State. You've got Christian Watson from North Dakota State, who's 6'4 and runs a 43840. Sky Moore from Western Michigan. You just need one of those teams in the back of the round. And you look at some of these at the very back, the Chiefs. If you can get five in the first 22 picks, let's say, Chiefs are going to take a wide receiver in the first round, whichever one they happen to fall in love with. So there is juice on the over, and, and the juice is minus 152 right now for over five and a half receivers. Okay. And, and that's a little bit of a heavy juice. But in this case, that, that 
150 is represents about a 61% chance of happening. Doesn't it feel more like 75, 80% that over five and a half receivers go? Mm-hmm. So even though there's some heavy juice, I feel like this should be a much higher juice, and there is value there on over five and a half receivers in the first round. All right, over five and a half receivers selected in the first round as a bet that he loves and you must make. So get down and throw a couple bucks that way. All right, sir, what's going on out at VEASAN? Uh, you know, even though uh, Masters is in college basketball, so a lot going on. Obviously, the NFL draft is the biggest thing on people's mind. It is coming to Vegas, and we're going to have some great coverage of that at VEASAN. So check that out. Of course, our baseball guide is also up at VEASAN. Everything you can get, just $19. Check it out on VEASAN.com. Excellent. He is Aaron Oster. At the A. Oster on Twitter is how you follow him. Aaron, appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hope everyone has their best this week. That's Aaron Oster from out in Vegas at VEASAN with his five L's for the week in terms of bets that you should or, you know, in one case, should not be making. When we come back in, we will check in with our buddy Leon Twyman, the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Find out what's going on there, what stands out to him, what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. That's on the way. This is Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Hey, O's families, break out your orange and black for kids' opening day on April 17th when the O's take on the New York Yankees. Be one of the first 7,500 fans, 14 and under, to receive an Orioles pop-it toy. And after the game, kids are invited to take to the field and run the bases like the pros, all presented by Wise Markets. Plus, experience a family fun day at the yard with caricatures, the Easter Bunny, and more. Celebrate the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards with kids' opening day. Buy now at Orioles.com kids. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. 
snacks. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley. And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Just want to update a couple things, and Leon Twyman will check in with us. As the NBA playoffs indeed get underway tonight, if you want to start thinking about futures bets on an NBA champion, the Suns at plus 270 are the favorite. The Bucks at 5-1. to one. The Nets plus 650. The Warriors 9-1. to one. The Heat 950. The Celtics 11-1 to one are your top favorites to win the NBA title. I do encourage you. I, I know that the reason why you get good odds is because, you know, there's a lot of teams left. A lot of things can happen. Injuries, things along those lines. But if you love, I said this yesterday, or I'm saying it today on, on um, Live Casino and Hotel's social media page, I, the Suns are the overwhelming favorite in the West. There is, They are by far the best team in the West. But yet, you can still get plus money on them to win the West at plus 120. That'll disappear. You knock a couple of teams out. You knock two teams out this week of the playoff tournament, or the playing tournament, and then the first round of the playoffs, you knock four more teams out. When you're down to the semifinals, it ain't going to be plus money any longer for the Suns. I get it. A lot can happen between now and the Western Conference Finals. And if Chris Paul were to get hurt again or something like that, it would be problematic. But there's no reasonable scenario by which the Suns aren't winning the West. So with the idea to get plus money... I'd be sticking a couple of bets in. In fact, I did when I was there in the FanDuel Sportsbook on um, Sunday. I threw a couple of bucks on the Suns to win the West while I was there because that plus money is going to go away after a little while. If everything holds the way we expect it to, it's very quickly no longer going to be plus money. So I tried to take advantage of it now knowing there is some risk involved, but it's just an opportunity to make a little money there. Speaking of the FanDuel Sportsbook, Leon Twyman is the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, and he's with us now here on Simply the Bets. Leon, what's going on, my friends? Hey, how's it going? Everything is good, man. It was great to see you on Sunday. And you told me the, the good news for you guys was you guys were going to be okay as long as Tiger Woods didn't win the Masters, correct? That is correct. So it ended <laughs> up being ended up being a decent weekend for you guys. Yes, we had a good weekend. There you go. Definitely a good one. There you go. That's the reason. Nice thing about golf tournaments is it feels like everybody's betting on a winner, and it's really hard to pick the winner of a golf tournament. It, it really is. That's usually why I stay away from it. I, I never have luck with that at all. Right? <laughs> like, well, now as it turns out, it's ironic that, like, it ended up being a good thing. It was a good thing for you that the guy who was the number one player in the world won the tournament, right? <laughs> like, in a lot of places, that would be the guy that everybody was betting on, but two months ago, nobody had heard of Scotty Scheffler. So it ended up working out sort of ironically the way that it played out. All right, so let's put into yeah. focus what's coming up. Um, obviously, this week, tonight, the play-in tournament gets underway as the NBA playoffs start. 
what are some things that people should know about uniquely betting during the NBA playoffs? Uh, so there, there's definitely a lot that you can bet on when it comes to the playoffs, um, specifically with the playing games. Uh, since those are starting tonight, you can actually bet who's going to advance um, from the playing tournaments. So you can bet all four teams to advance. Um, you can you can bet two teams from the Eastern Conference, two teams from the Western Conference. So there's there's a few different ways that you can bet this play-in tournament. And I see there's like um, pr- there's also props for the play-in tournament. Correct? There's like player props. And- yes, you have uh, you have some of those players. The top score. You have rebounds. There, there's just all kinds of things that you can actually bet with this. I'll tell you what stands out to me. And again, I'm giving away what you're going to see on social later today. But I like the 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 quartet of the Nets, the Timberwolves, the Clippers. That's all chalk. But then I like the Hawks as the other team. I like the idea of this is playoff Trey Young that we're talking about, right? Like this is the man. That's, right. <laughs> this is the man that single handedly wrecked the people of New York. They still have not recovered from what he did, and they still. There was video of them, everybody walking out of the Yankees game, chanting F. Trey Young the other day. We're a year removed. That's what playoff Trey Young does to you. I have this funny feeling. I, I know the Cavaliers have some nice pieces, but I like the Hawks as the fourth team. And those four teams together, the Nets, the Hawks, the Timberwolves, and Clippers, which is still mostly chalk, would pay out plus 440. What do you think about that quartet? I like it. Um, I was actually looking at that earlier today. Um and, you know, honestly, I, I kind of like Nets, Hornets, Timberwolves, and Clippers as well. I mean, that's, that's nine to one there. Ooh, that's really ballsy. That is really ballsy. <laughs> All right. Um, but what else should we know? Like, as, as we get into the weekend and you're just in n- normal playoff games, how many more types of props will be available? You can. I know we already have, you know, futures bets. Like, you can bet finals MVP right now and try to make some money that way. Yes. Um, so you have that. You have uh, when it comes to betting the series, you have um, the series spreads that you can bet. Uh, you have correct score. So wait, wait. What is what is? Explain that. Like, t- talk to me like I'm five, Leon. What's a series spread? <laughs> so series spread. So basically, it's like a spread of the game. So when you are betting a spread on the game, you have to bet that team to win by so many points. So the series spread is the same oh. way. So for example, if you're looking at uh, the Raptors and 76ers. Uh, 76ers right now on the series spread, they're minus uh, one half. So that means they would have to win the oh. series by at least two games. Oh, I love the Raptors to cover that, by the way. I think they could win the series. I just, there's something about the 76ers. They feel fragile to me, man. Like, I get it. They got good players. Yeah, Joel Embiid's been amazing. I understand that. But they just feel like a fragile kind of franchise to me that's been through a lot of things over the last few years. They really have. They really have. I, I don't know, man. I kind of love the idea that I can get a game and a half to play with. So basically what that says is if it goes seven, I'm winning the series. I'm, I'm winning my – if I bet the Raptors and it goes seven or they win the series, I'm winning my bet. Yeah, you're good to go. You're solid on that. They're plus one and a half at minus uh, 152. I like that. Oh, and you can bet like exactly – you can bet the exact number of games. So you can bet the Raptors, say, to, to win the series in exactly seven games. Or you can bet the Sixers to win the series in exactly five games. That is correct. You can bet the the series total games. You can bet oh. correct score of the series. Oh. Um, it, it's It's really interesting. Man, there is a lot available. This is almost like betting the Super Bowl right now. All the things that are available for something like this is good. I am. Yeah, there's definitely some way to, there's ways to make money when it comes to the NBA playoffs. 
I am all in. All right, Leon Twyman is the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. He's with us here on Simply the Bets. Leon, the other thing that we're going to start putting into focus in the coming weeks is the NFL Draft. That's our next event with you guys. We will be there on Thursday, April 28th, hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, is going to join me. We will be uh, get, have great giveaways for that night, an awesome atmosphere, and I'm expecting a pretty big crowd, so guarantee your spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. Uh, it's starting to look like there are some serious props coming in for the NFL Draft at this point. Yes. Yes, there are. Um, so you have, um, you have obviously you can bet like the, the overall winner of the draft. You have number two overall, three. Um, you got top ten, top, top five. Uh, you have the team to draft uh, Malik Wallace, which is uh, you got some good odds on that as well. So there, there are quite a few things that you can actually bet on with the draft as well. I see that, and I, you know, some of them. We were just talking about this with our buddy Aaron Oster out in Vegas. Like you can uh, pick a prop, how many wide receivers will go in the first round, and. Um, who will be the first wide receiver taken in first player at each position that will be taken in the draft. And those seem like some fascinating ways to bet. I did. I just learned by clicking on this button, you guys are offering betting on the USFL, which gets underway this weekend. Yes, that's going to be interesting. Um, we've had a lot of people inquire about that. Wow. And it seems like it's going to it's going to bring a pretty decent crowd. I so am, I'm, I'm extremely interested to see how this turns out. I am. Uh, I would have no effing clue how to even think about betting on the USFL. Like, what are <laughs> what are you even working with when you decide to bet on the USFL at this point? You ever heard? Yeah, of these you're guys? pretty much just winging it at this point, right? The for what it's worth, I can inform that the Michigan Panthers and the Tampa Bay Bandits are the co-favorites to win the USFL, both at plus four fifty. I say this half jokingly, Leon, but is there a, a prop of Available to bet whether or not the USFL finish this actually finishes their season, unlike the last couple of <laughs> leagues that try to do this in the spring. You know, we unfortunately do not have that, oh. but I'm sure someone has that around. We got <laughs> to look into that. Maybe it's being an option. We got to look into that <laughs> potentially as a way for people to make their money. All right, what else do people need to know about? What else is going on this week? What other events are coming up? What else is happening in the FanDuel Sportsbook that should be on someone's radar? So right now, uh, we're just going to focus on this, uh, this NBA uh, playing tournaments and the and the playoffs. So we're hoping to bring a crowd in for that and, and get some things going. Hopefully, I think we're going to be busy. Um, it's going to bring a big crowd. Our market is definitely an NBA market. Yeah. And, um, you've seen that as well in there. No it's doubt. a huge NBA market. And I know there's some big soccer matches coming up this week. Champions League back in action, too. So... I know there'll be some interest in the next couple of afternoons, and I guess that's our opportunity to remind everybody, whatever it is you're betting on, it doesn't matter if it's a soccer match that's happening at 5 in the morning, you can bet it because the self-service kiosks are open 24-7. Yes, 61 of them. Uh, we have the most in the area, so definitely come down to a live casino and, and hop on one of the kiosks when they're available. But they what, are extremely busy. So. I, 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 do have, I do have bad news, though. If you were looking to see an idiot dressed up as a caddy for the Masters, you missed your chance. That, that, was, that was a one-time <laughs> that will not be returning is the uh, caddy costume that I, uh, I, I came, showed up in. By the way, I don't know if I told you, Leon, I got um, there, there's a gentleman at the door that's I was walking into the casino who was not thrilled about the costume that I was wearing. He did not understand what it is that I was doing. And uh, as he said, where I come from, you wear something like that, it's because you're there to clean up blood. I said, 
<laughs> my friend, I promise you, I have no intentions. It might be a bloodbath for me with my bets, but I promise you, that is not my intention for the week. But we had a good time hanging out for the Masters. All right, Leon. Yeah, it was definitely a good time. Yeah, it was, time. it was fun. And thank God, you know what? Uh, a suggestion that Bruce gave me, he said, uh, play the bet where you take uh, Cameron Smith and Scotty Scheffler out of the equation. And I uh, put a little on Rory McIlroy, and I got a nice payout because of that. So I was very happy with that. That was a good day for me. So I, we, we, I don't still, I still don't, I still think you've come out on top. I still think that overall, I'm on the losing side of my my uh, fights with Fanduel, uh, the Fanduel Sportsbook over the years or over the months. But uh, I did get a little bit back. I won the fifth round on Sunday with that Rory McIlroy bet. Hey, little by little, that's all about. You just got to keep chipping away. That's the way it goes. All right, my friend. Uh, appreciate. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. All right. All right. Thank you again. See you. Uh, see you soon. That's right. Leon Twyman, the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Appreciate him hopping on with us this morning. I cannot fathom betting the USFL. I don't know what you're doing, but you know, if you're into it, it is available in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. All right, let's get a tidbit of the week. Paul Valley, what have you prepared for us? What's an interesting tidbit related to betting that you can pass along? All right, so Action, um, Action Network headquarters um, tweeted out from the FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook, I don't know when this bet was made, but somebody made a five-leg futures parlay at plus 959-7590. If them, so plus 959-7590. And they've hit two of the, the first two legs. North Carolina to make the Final Four at okay. plus 4000 It was a $10 bet. Okay. North Carolina at plus 4000 to make the Final Four. Scotty Scheffler plus 3300 to uh, win the U.S. Master, the, the Masters Tournament. And then the ones that haven't hit yet, the Phoenix Suns to win the NBA Championship at plus 410 Okay. Alabama to win the, um, the National Championship in football mm. at plus 200 They win it a lot. And the Buffalo Bills to be the AFC champion at plus 350 Right now... They could cash this out at, and uh, clean up with $8,559. And, 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 and how much was the butt again? A the $10. Butt. How much a, was the butt? A, a, a $10 total wager. A $10 wager. And right now they could cash out for $8,559.45. However, if they keep this and they hit all five legs, they will, on a $10 bet, Cash out at $959,769. Somebody in the comments on this tweet said they should have done the smart thing and put two $10 bets on the same parlay, cash out one, one and, right. and then the other one let it ride. Okay. Uh, thank you, smart guy. Like uh, The hindsight thing. This is the way you really do. For F's sake. We didn't know that. Betting North Carolina make the Final Four was insane at the point where he got those odds. So the idea that this person had any clue that he was actually going to be cashing something in to to think ahead, it's always this is Captain Hindsight from South Park. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you what you should have done. Thank you. Really appreciate it. That's very beneficial at this we point. We need a real hero. Right? Yeah. Um, this is always a good question. So we can cash out right now at what number again? $8,559.45. Or he can let it ride, and if he gets the next this three is, legs. This is where I, I would not be good at this. I would just take the money. I yeah. would go on, take the money, and run. 1,000%. And then come up. Especially, it's more emotional for me because I'm a Suns fan. Mm-hmm. So, like, it would be so much more crushing for me to both have my favorite team lose and for it to cost me all this money. So, I would just sort of, like, take the emotion out of it, and I would just 
take the cash. How would you feel ten months from now, though? If I'd you live. Hit? I'd live. I'd live. This is this to me is like when we talk about uh, the Jake Arrieta thing. I can live with making a good decision in the moment, even if the decision didn't end up being the best decision that you could make. Mm-hmm. I can always go back. It's so easy to say, well, with Heinz, this is the Captain Hindsight thing. Hindsight. Like in the moment, the idea that I had the opportunity, first of all, it's extraordinarily unlikely that you're going to get to this point. It involved North Carolina making the Final Four. Right. That that's insane. They weren't even ranked. That's nuts. You are playing with such house money. The idea that all of these things are going to play out, and I get it, it's Alabama, but like, you know, hey, I don't know if you heard, Alabama didn't win the title a year ago. The Bills look really good, but, you know, Josh Allen gets hurt in week two. They're screwed. Right. And, I, you know, the Suns are the favorites, but they've never won a title before. I, this is not... It would almost be reckless to not take the money. Yeah. it would. I would say that... It would be wildly reckless. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to let this, if you want to let this play out for another round or two of the playoffs to see what that pay. It's so unlikely the Suns are losing in the first round of the playoffs, or in the second round of the playoffs. That if you feel like, hey, I could wait this out another month and just let that number get up over ten thousand dollars, but as the Suns get closer to having a shot to win the title and I can cash out a little bit more, I I could see that. I didn't realize that's how that works. Yeah, it keeps the number keeps going up. Because it's a greater threat. This is like deal or no deal, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, they make their offer to buy out the ticket based on the risk ah, see, of the, the ticket cashing. So it's the same thing as odds, right? Like right now the Suns have worse odds than they'll have. Like, or sorry, better odds. If, if you're better, you can get the Suns a plus money. But as I just said, the closer we get, that money's not going to be plus money anymore because the risk is greater that they're actually going to win. There's lesser risk at the moment the Suns are going to win because there's so many teams left. You get right. closer and there's greater risk that they're actually going to win, so the odds have to come down. So the closer we get, waited out two rounds, they probably offer you more like, nothing extraordinary, but more like $13,000, $14,000, something like that. Seems extraordinary to me. I mean, it's, it's not extraordinary as far as it's not going to get you, based on what this bet could pay out. You're not right. getting to four hundred thousand right. dollars, but it's a chance to get a little bit more without a whole lot of risk. I'd ride it out maybe until the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, the danger being again, if Chris Paul gets hurt on Sunday, then your bet's over. Basically, is he, is he fully back now? Yeah, he's been back for a little while. Oh, really? But, okay. You know, like. There is risk there. There is risk in that. But I would I think two rounds would be the, the length. I would probably knowing me, I'd cash out today. But if you want to say the smarter play is to wait two more rounds and cash out, then I'd listen to that. I'd listen to that as far as the strategy for that bet. But that is a good one. It's a very good one. All right, that'll do it for Simply the Bets. Thanks to Aaron Oster out in Vegas. Thanks to our buddy Leon Twyman from the FanDuel Sportsbook. And don't forget the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard and I will be there. On April 28th, for the first round of the NFL Draft, we will have more great giveaways for you in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Look forward to seeing you then. Until that point, may the odds be ever in your favor. This has been Simply the Bets.